0: What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks and I'm excited to be back. Actually, passed up the two year anniversary on May 1st, which looking back, I could talk about that in a whole episode um, on its own, but very grateful. And I just want to again say thank you to everybody who's taken time to listen to the conversations and who enjoy this and who share it with their friends. If you can, Make sure you subscribe, um, whatever platform it is that you listen on. It's the best way to help me grow the podcast and have new people find out what we're doing. So do that, and you can follow on social media at that curious Jones. I always love when people reach out there. If I can uh, respond back, I definitely will. Um, funny other story. Uh, if you did listen to the last two episodes, there was uh, a noticeable difference in the audio. Um and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, I recorded a second time and it was like, man, what's up. Um, before this podcast episode though, I noticed, um, that one of my little boys changed the setting, um, on some of the equipment. And so I think we should be good. And hopefully you guys hear me loud and clear. But, uh, this episode today was a conversation that I have been wanting to have for a while. Um, my guest is a former guest of the show. He's a friend of mine. We talk often, um, long distance. We live on opposite sides of the country, um, but we have a lot of similar interests. And he's a very deep thinker. And whenever I have you know nights where I'm thinking about the universe or the reasons for existence, I think of a couple of people. You know, I think of my buddy Evan Britton. I've had a lot of great conversations with him about stuff like that. And then I think about my buddy Lucas who he challenges the way that I think. And and right when I always feel like I have everything maybe figured out, he comes and hits me with something that reminds me that I don't have a clue. So really enjoyed this conversation. It's a long one, so you might need to break it up. But give it a listen. Let me know what you think. Give it up for my guest, Lucas Igile. But before we enjoy the episode, as always, a huge shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, Action Specialty Roast Coffee and Natural Supplements. If you head to the website drinkaction.com and you use code word curious, you will save 15% off of your order. And if you sign up for a subscription, you'll save an additional 20% off. Coffee, natural supplements, take action, fuel for life. (laughs)
1: Finally, here you go. That was the great reset. <laughs> Dude, Everything right. works again. Fantastic. <laughs> That's all you need. Just let us down right. started again. Dude, it's uh,
0: what a what a metaphor, huh?
2: I know, right? It's good to see you. It's a weird
0: one
1: though. Yeah, good to see you, man. How you been? I'm doing well.
0: It's yeah, uh, it's been a lot happening since the last time I think we spoke face to face like this, or I guess quasi face-to-face
1: yeah you had a kid and everything right i had another yeah. one
0: yeah number oh, two congrats yeah. thank you yeah he's coming up he'll be a year this august so
2: wow already yeah dude like
0: it's Shit. crazy uh it's uh i don't know how, it's like with mother's day like the cliche and everything but it's like i mm. i look at my wife now so different compared to really yeah and i mean we had quite a history prior um like we started dating she was 18 we probably been together now 16 years so wow yeah we were engaged for almost seven years
1: (laughs) dude you guys are like in the top percentile for like successive like successful like marriages i know right 16 years is a lot
0: i know i my parents got divorced when i was in college so i mean you figure they they went like the long road That they were up and down all the time my parents yeah my parents fought like a ufc (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you know but not that's crazy but it was like you know even them like they lasted a long time but to your point i have friends that have been married for seven or eight months and then they pulled the plug and was like yo not not happening
1: yeah a year two years is like yeah yeah but i guess it's indicative of the times right everything's come and go it is
0: yeah no i think and that's where i think my wife and i have like a I don't know, we're, we're like an interesting match. She's so different than I am. Like, I'm the entrepreneurial, take every risk, just kind of wing it. And like yeah. to be out there. And she's very conservative. She's an accountant by trade. So she's like, oh. you know, as you can kind of see how she like balances me out. I just, you know, she gives me a leash and then I get to go and enjoy myself. But at the end of the day, it's like I got to sit in front of the CFO when I come home, and you know. <laughs> well, that's
1: good though, man. Opposites attract, right? And you always need balance, yin and yang. Yeah,
0: no, for for sure, you know. Yeah. We grew up. That's different. probably why
1: it's been sixteen years.
0: Yeah, it, uh, without a doubt, you know, she challenges me. It's like, and I was actually, I was going to tell you this. Like, out of all the people I talked to on the podcast, mm. you you still like. We've, we've talked so much on here. We've text on Instagram. Yeah, You're just like this mysterious dude though. Like there's, so, and I, I know you do that somewhat deliberately. Like I know that's a part of the MO.
1: That's by, it's just by, it's not by design. I think it's by default. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I get, I've always, I've always gotten that, but it's not by design. I'll tell you that.
0: I'm glad I'm not the only person that's ever picked yeah. up
1: on that, but it just, it just so happens to be the case. And I
0: I don't know if anybody listening that that will be listening to this, listen to the first one, but I mean, it it goes back to like, I got captivated by your Instagram feed. Like you have, and you're not as active anymore, which I got, I want to dive into that and see if that actually, I know you take these I'm actually thinking of
1: taking a sabbatical today, actually. Really? You know, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I want, I mean, do you notice, let's just get to that then. Like when you do sure. these breaks from social media, do you, mm. do you feel like a noticeable difference? Does your battery recharge or do you gain? Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Cause it's, it's like zooming out, right? Like when you're in it, when you're in the middle of something, it's hard to see it and see what's happening, but then you leave the room and you come back and you're like, "This is really odd what you people are doing here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, because I'll just catch myself like I'll have things to do and then I'll just be just, just like everyone does just mindlessly scrolling for no reason. And I'm like, what am I doing? And so I take these sabbaticals and I come back after like a month or two. And I see everything with like fresh eyes and it just looks it looks so odd. Like I log on and it's like people posting their food and like random things. It's like this is a weird concept. Like you go out to eat. You take a photo of your food and then you show everyone else and you say, here's what I ate. And it's just like, I don't know. It's really weird when you leave and come back. Like you see the, the oddness and everything.
0: Do you change or notice a change in your habits or behaviors on the platforms when you come back? And do they slowly kind of wither away? They do.
1: They do which is so telling
0: right i mean it just you're you're actively taking steps daily or you know not daily but like it's probably what every six months seven months i mean i sent you a text last time i was like yo are you okay i haven't like i haven't seen your like instagram disappeared and that's why i was like man that motherfucker is in the cia look at that he ghosted. He's
1: not even real it goes to show you like how hard it is because i've tried to just do the whole like oh let me just delete the app and like you know Or I just won't log on and do like the whole screen time thing. Oh, it's been an hour. But if I don't get like deactivate my account and get rid of it to where I can't go to it, just muscle memory, I'll open it up and it's like, damn it, I did it again.
0: I have an interesting thought on this and I'd be curious to your perspective. Go for it. So like when you think about the rhythm that people get into with, so it's, Mm. it's the validation thing, right? And it's the fear of missing out. Like yeah. I, you're scrolling through. And a lot of times, I don't know if you notice this, I'll scroll through and I'm like, I've seen all of this stuff because it's not chronological order. It shows you what it thinks you want to see. But I'm like, exactly. I've seen this same post from you know whoever 30 times. Every time I've refreshed, I've logged in, I've done a whole bunch of other things. So it, I mean, it's guiding you down this journey and yeah. people get into the mindset of like, I, the insecurity of not knowing what's happening. And I feel like oh, when well. you're away from it, you have to be secure in who you are away from Instagram. And a lot of people, they aren't anything away from Instagram. And so yeah. it's like, that to me is the, f- it's, I don't think they, I think they're exhausted. They they have to be exhausted, like living on there and and creating a fake facade Life. to, Like uh, you can only do that for so long. You know what I mean? Like uh, eventually life gets in the way and you notice the people that are really successful are the people who truly are just showing their lives and kind of like not curating this false existence. But I I get back to that point about like being secure in yourself. If you're not secure away from Instagram, you won't be able to take a break.
1: It's almost like having a, um, it's like having a vice, right? Like if you drink or you smoke, there's like a tipping point of where you stop controlling it and it starts controlling you. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you cross that line, then like you said, when you're living on the other side, you don't have control anymore. Right. Like, you know, that's how you go from being a social drinker to alcoholic. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always try to bring myself back before I think of getting close to the line.
0: Yeah. I don't know did, if we talked about it when, cause we talked a little bit about social media, I think, The last time I kind of had a change in how I presented myself and that in and of itself was like a weight off of my shoulders. And it made it easier to not give a shit about Instagram, like whether it's Instagram or whatever platform, if you're putting out this fake thing, you're cognizant that that's not real. So like, you're like, oh shit, does, does everybody looking at it realize this? you know, and fuck, I mean, people probably pass by. I couldn't tell the difference. You know what I mean? But it's like, you yeah. know, so it's like glaring to you. Right. And so then you're like, okay, the next thing you, you have to then go and create the next thing that lines up because you're doing this on purpose. So of course half has to be crafted perfectly. And if you're like me, I'm like obsessive. So then that becomes yeah. like a whole problem in and of itself. And so I stopped that. like somebody, I don't even remember who told me they're like, you like just be you like you've got a podcast quit sharing these like edited photos that you're having people take of you, which I like yeah. laugh at now, dude, it's fucking hysterical. When I look back <laughs> at it, um, is my oh, yeah. and pr- trust me. My brothers and close friends remind me like there's text strings where it's like, Hey, look at yeah. this cool fucking picture of you standing in front of a car. That's not yours. Like awesome.
1: Um, See, that's a, not to cut you off, but that's another important thing though. Is to have people around you who know, The real you
2: yeah
1: right so that when you divert they're not afraid to call you out and be like what the fuck are you doing like that's not you like just post you right Mm -hmm. but a lot of times like people create this fake life and the whole life is online and no one knows the real them so it's just like this they're just like in a hamster wheel and there's no one there to tell them like dude that's not you like what are you doing right like it's just people online liking Mm -hmm. stuff getting that cheap dopamine and you're like oh yeah they really like this let me just keep going and then it's
0: Yeah, dude. People, I can see where it can go. I mean, I, I got a taste of it. And to your point, I mean, thankfully, I do have people that are like, get the fuck out of here with that, you know. And and then it becomes so much easier because I'm truly just like my social media platform is a representation of me, and that might be weird shit sometimes. Like my wife was telling me, I was I was looking through your feed, and there's something on there with like a baby attached to a bill, an umbilical cord. It was some strange, um, like, I don't know, like artificial reality thing where it took your face on a filter and turned it into uh, some goofy ass. I don't know. Go look at my Instagram people if you're listening to this. It's back a couple months, but you'll see it. It's like a baby inside of a womb.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, It was some sort of strange thing on Instagram filter. Interesting. Yeah. But I thought it was cool and I matched it up with some Pink Floyd music. I was probably fucking stoned out of my mind. But it was who I was in the moment. And in the past, my point to all of that is I would have never shared that, even if that's what I was feeling in the moment. Mm. And it was not gratifying. You know, it was very empty. So
1: for all of that... I mean, it's much easier to be yourself than it is to play a character, right? Yes. Like at the end of the day, it's way less energy because when you're playing the character in this fake whatever reality that you've created... It's all conscious thoughts that you have to use, right? So like you said, you got to plan out every step. Right? So what is this character that I've created? What does he do? What would he be having for lunch? How would he speak? What would he post? What filter would he use, right? You got to, it's really tiring mentally to keep it up. But if it's just you, you know, a vast majority of the things you do are just autopilot. So it's just whatever. I do this, I do that.
0: Do you think that's the existence that somebody like Will Smith lives in? (laughs)
1: I don't know dude Will Smith seems like his his life's interesting right now to say the least very much so I don't it's with celebrities like that it's really hard to tell right because you know you think about how hard it is for you and like when you were doing that now imagine you know you're this movie star making tens of millions of dollars with tons of followers all sorts of brand endorsements and movie deals and this and that you have like aside from just the pressure of the perception, you have hundreds of millions of dollars behind you and you have to keep this up. It must be like exhausting Mm -hmm. to do what they do, right? And you can, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It could be real. It might not be. It might all be fabricated. Who knows? Like you'll never, unless you actually know these people, right? Mm Because And that's the funny thing is a lot of people will jump to conclusions and like, Oh, you know, he's going through this. or he's going through that. Or he did this because of this and that. It's like, you don't even know the guy. You've never had a conversation with him. Like you've never even seen him. Right. Like maybe you had some red carpet thing and you saw him like, you have no clue who he is.
0: Yeah. Fuck dude. For all I know, he's not even real. Like I'm honest. guy, I you know, yeah. mean, <laughs> as crazy as that
1: sounds, I don't know that Will Smith's
0: real or not. Cause to your point, I've never seen him with my own two eyes and i've seen a lot of sh- i saw will smith on a tv screen with aliens it was a great movie there you go but you i mean understand. those are as real as will smith is to me right they're both on that same screen so to your
1: point exactly if you if you are if you're using the scientific method you actually have no proof to, to do the drill so how could you then know like you know how he's thinking or what he's going through his motives behind something like i find that just ridiculous mm-hmm.
2: yeah no
0: it's it's interesting i'm I don't know, man. It's just, you take a step back. I wonder, you know, and probably for another point in time on this conversation, but Mm. there's, there's every, everything that's happening. Like if you take a far enough step away from it, you can see the bigger picture with absolutely. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it makes me wonder if you had that ability, to take mm-hmm. a, a big enough step backwards to have the perspective, to understand what's going on with, you know, call it the, the universe or like, what would it truly be? And how much of what we see happening right now is the altering of that larger existence? Because I've heard people say like, it seems like the matrix is a little broken right now or, but it, man, like, it might be
1: working perfectly.
0: I mean, because if you go
1: ahead, think of, think about it this way, right? Like if you, it's like a, it's like a thought experiment. If you were God, right. And you could create any sort of existence, anything you wanted, right. You could have everything you wanted. You know, everything at some point it would become incredibly boring. If you knew exactly what was going to happen every day, all day there was no excitement right there was no challenges everything would be incredibly boring you would end up in the long run creating the human existence right where you don't really know what's going to happen but like it just makes perfect sense that things are getting crazy like think, think of it like um like a video game or like movies right tv shows to be specific mm-hmm. when they have one crappy season where everything's like really quiet and whatever and ratings are dropping the next season this person killed this person and that happened and this person you're like oh shit and then you know water cooler talk right you're like oh my god did you see what happened on game of thrones or whatever red wedding the, the, the thingy so this might be our red wedding season in the matrix right like mm-hmm. maybe the aliens were getting bored of the simulation and they're like yes. they're on a little war a little pandemic you know
0: is it just that it's sexier to think of it that way or is it truly more logical to think of it that way? Because sometimes I tell myself, you just want it to be that way because it sounds really cool. But then I, well, just any, yeah, anything other than this is just a, a bunch of, you know, just a straight scientific explanation, right? That somehow, yeah. whether, I don't know, what is it now that, that our universe is actually the, beginning of it of some sort of star explosion or the ending of an old galaxy that's disappeared or whatever it is something exploded and created everything
1: yeah i mean well for one we'll never know right yeah (laughs) that's the other thing but you could think about it from now till the end of whenever time ends you'll never actually know because if you're like i said if you're in something you'll never be able to see it fully because you're in it Right. It's like trying it's like trying to look at your eyes with your eyes. Impossible. You can look at yourself in the mirror. That's a flipped image. You will you'll, you'll never actually know. And at the end of the day, all these theories. We just we humans repeat everything. But we just repackage it. Right. So if you go back to like, you know, Egyptian times or whatever. All those older civilizations, same things. You had all these myths and these gods and the reasoning behind all this stuff. And then fast forward, you have Christianity, you have Islam. Now we're in the technological age and it's a simulation theory. But at the end of the day, the basis behind them is all the same. There's a higher power that created this whole thing that we ultimately don't have full control over, right? And we have to relinquish control to it
0: is that something innate inside of us or what, what is the foundation of that principle? Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that, a, yeah. is that a, yeah. Learned, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Oh, well, and I'm, I'm asking it, I guess, not that you have the answers almighty one. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like, cause that's I mean, where I, I start to are, curious.
1: Philosophers have asked this question over and over again in like a million different ways. Right. It's, it's definitely in us because we are extremely repetitive in terms of what we do in everything right like and we can't stop it so I don't think it's just learned there's something coded in there in the DNA somewhere that we just repeat stuff now is it purely a human thing I don't know it might just be part of the laws of the universe because if you think about it you know, just like you were saying now, like something blew up, universe started a couple billion years later, it's going to implode, same thing over and over. It seems like everything in existence does exactly that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It just cycles. Different timelines, right? Different lengths, but everything Everything cycles. has a
0: birth and a death.
1: Yeah. And, and, the so birth and why the, death,
0: the bigger picture have a birth and a death, right? Like-
1: exactly. And if you get deeper, the birth and the death are the same thing. Right. It's just all it is is a transition because mm-hmm. if you like, just think about like, what's a simple way to break it down? Say like, you know, when a person dies, look at. Them. So you die, right. It's the end. You get buried For a bunch of other stuff. That's the beginning. Right. So, you know, the maggots in the dirt, the plant that's going to feed on you and grow like you're thinking, Oh my God, this is the end. And for some tree, it's like, yeah, fertilizer, the beginning. So.
0: But it takes somebody to realize that they're not bigger than that tree to be
1: able to understand that. Exactly. Because we, for some reason with consciousness think we think we're different, which I mean, I guess we are because we are aware right? It's like we're the universe experiencing itself. It's almost like if you have a nerve cell, right? On your skin, you touch yourself, you can feel it. But that nerve cell is not aware that it's a nerve cell. It's just doing what it's doing. We're kind of nerve cells that are now aware and like, oh shit, what Mm -hmm. am I doing on this skin here? Sending all these signals back and forth. That's kind of what we've become. And somewhere down the line, through consciousness or whatever, we've gotten this grandiose idea of ourselves. We think we're above nature, right? We try to control nature, you know? At the end of the day, we're just part of it.
2: Well,
0: And I think we're, we ignorantly assume that our ability to communicate with each other And that something can't communicate. So other things can't really communicate with us means that we're inferior, but go stand at a arboretum and listen to a bunch of birds communicating with each other and tell me that you understand what the hell they're telling you because they're talking, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, I've been on the street and heard the birds kind of going nuts and then shit happens or storm, like there's an innate communication that we're not tapped into. So they could be saying the same thing. Like, look at these assholes. Like, we're up here, intaking all of this information and communicating, Absolutely. and they they can't even take in that information and they can't understand what we're saying. In that moment, even, we're the ignorant ones, right? It's like,
1: even when you think of like plants and trees, like like fungi, mycelium, hmm. like the internet of the earth it talks to like they all talk to each other underground, right? Like way more complex ways than we communicate
0: I almost so. said do you think that arrogance is earned but I'm going to take that back because that's a pretty ignorant thing to say because it's literally the epitome of it like it's it's only it only is justified if you believe that all of those things are the most important things and then it's like oh well, it's obviously the right way and the, the obvious way but again
1: I mean, we it's weird, right? Because there's one school of thought where it's like humans are special, you know, God created us in his image, center of the universe. And then there's another school of thought where it's like we're, you know, on this tiny rock in this unimportant solar system, we're completely not special. Whereas I feel like the truth is somewhere in between because as far as we can tell, for quite some distance, there's nothing else except us. Mm-hmm. Like it is definitely definitely nothing intelligent as it's we know pretty it pretty right? creepy like man. so it's like there is there is some specialty to being human
0: there is but right i did a lot of yard work this weekend yeah at least sunday got some yard work done i by the way thank you for the compliments on the mustache i did have to shake it <laughs> off i i should have kept it i wasn't even thinking but um funny story some people
1: people can pull it off man you know
0: i haven't shaved this is as bare-skinned as my face has been in a very long time usually have Mm. like a little bit of scruff kind of like you going on not not even quite as as thick but i grew it out a little bit and um i woke up saturday morning and i shaved my face with uh my clippers and the attachment was switched and it like took it
1: down to the oh, skin. And I was I've like, done that. I've done that before.
0: Oh shit! And I was like, I don't know if I want to commit to like a full shaven face, and maybe I have fun with this until it grows yeah. out a little bit. So I just left the mustache. And
1: no, you kind of pulled
0: it off. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was it was definitely good, and I don't, I'm kind of disappointed now. I cut it off. I had some meetings today. I was like, I don't know if they'll appreciate the humor in this. And then after <laughs> the fact, I was like, I definitely should have kept that, but.
1: Yeah. No. Um, I think you. I think you pulled it off. I'll
0: appreciate it. Um, I w- there was something I was getting at before I diverted there to talk about my mustache. Um,
1: something about yard work. You thought about something? Oh yeah. Yard work. Thank
0: you. Thank you. So we were talking just about existence, right? And mm. that there's nothing that's close, or at least you know when we look out into the universe, there's nothing that's close by. And I think. Yeah. If, it goes back to this thing of proximity that I think about because I was doing a lot of yard work and I came across this baby turtle, a little painted box turtle in my front yard. And there's like no water sources in my front yard, but there's a pond that's like way, way out back. And obviously relative, it's still nowhere near the distance from earth to what we've seen, but it got me thinking about like, this turtle is like so far away and there's so much that it's like not seeing or could say like oh i deer don't exist i've never seen a deer you know or kangaroos don't exist i mean there you go right that fucking turtle could have walked to california and been like fucking kangaroos aren't real i can't
1: see them right well you wouldn't even be able to fathom the thought of what a kangaroo is
0: or i'll take it even a step further right like Th- this cool bob ross bobblehead doll is made up mm. of atoms right electrons neutrons protons oh, and they are as far away from my car in my garage right now as yeah. we are away from like pluto relatively exactly. and maybe maybe not maybe this is where my ignorance is maybe it's so far away but my point being is like We don't see shit, but we might be like an inch on the 9 million yard ruler, so to speak, right? And it's like, it's just, yeah, we fall into the blip or nothing was happening.
1: Yeah, that is entirely possible, right? And that goes back to the whole, we don't even know what we don't know. Yeah. So it's not even that like, oh, I don't know about X, Y, and Z. It's like, I don't even know what i don't know mm. right like if we haven't even crossed that hurdle first right? it's like this might not be the only universe it could be multiverse it could be infinite we have no clue
0: so it's perfect transition because i i wanted to ask you Go do you it. think do you think someone like elon musk knows do you think someone like that who's kind of theory see, you know what i mean like, like that he's, he's actually got alien. it he's got it figured out whether he's an alien or he's just Do you think maybe he's formed a hypothesis about the future of civilization and that he's actually maybe more accurate on what that is and hence his driven motivation? Or is this clearly just another example of a Richard Branson type of guy who's got a lot of money and a big imagination and he's acting out that?
1: I think he's just a kid that never lost his wonder and just has – that personality that can just apply itself, right? I really think that's all that is. Because if, I mean, I always used to say like to change, to do great things, it's not just about being smart. You also have to be really, really stubborn, Mm. right? And I use like Einstein as an example. A bunch of people told Einstein he had no idea what he was talking about, right? He was tons of trouble in school, always questioning professors, But the underlying thing was that he was incredibly stubborn. So he kept on with it, kept on with his ideas. And fast forward, you know, you get theory of relativity equals MC squared, blah, 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 here we are. If he had like a passive, if he was kind of passive, right? And the first couple of times a teacher or professor yelled at him and said, sit down. You don't know what you're talking about. Just read for the test, he would have just got a job doing somewhere, somewhere, doing his patent collecting like he did, and that'd be the end of it. There'd be no Albert Einstein, right? So I think you need that mix of really smart and really stubborn. And I think Elon Musk has that in the like he's really smart, he's really driven, but he's also really stubborn. So when he goes, I'm going to get into the auto industry, which if you think about how insane it is <laughs> to have a startup and the, that is like you, new companies don't come into to the, it's not like every year you hear, Oh, Hey, there's this new car brand. They make this. It's like,
0: Oh, and challenge the conventional way that cars have been. I mean, there's a good old boys club there. And even though Ford oh, yeah. GM, the same suppliers, are you know selling to both of them and it's all connected and i'm sure the ceos of both of those companies are getting back end dollars for you know supporting that supplier
1: not only that like who consumers know these things from when like from when we were all born there was mercedes bmw toyota all these things existed like we almost just see them as the same way we see everything else in the world like they have just always been there Right. Like there's never a time when we were alive. There wasn't a Mercedes.
0: That's a really good point. That's a, that's a really, that is a really good point. There's some shit that it's like, it's yeah. I'm not a fan of it. It's just the only fucking option
1: that's, and it's already
0: too big for anybody else to impact the market.
1: Yeah, And if you, if you think about it, there was a time in history where there was no Mercedes. There was no BMW. There was no Toyota, right? There was no Ford. So that's, that's not an easy industry to break into and not only break into it, but break into it with a completely different product, right? Electric cars, people aren't even into that. And now all of a sudden now they have like this cult following. And then he does that. And then (laughs) he goes into SpaceX, literally an industry only, like the only participants are like massive world governments. There's no private space industry, right? It's like NASA, the Russian space program, the European space program like that's about it like India I think like four or five places and he goes in there and is like I'm gonna start building rockets like can you imagine like the meetings he'd go into and it's like oh what are you trying to do I want to build rockets like what you want to do what NASA does yeah I want to do what NASA does at a fraction of the cost like are you crazy mm-hmm. and you have to be crazy and he's done it right so
2: mm-hmm.
1: at the end of the day I think he's just like like the same way kids stare up at the stars and wonder what's there. No, oh, I wish I could go here. I wish I could go there. He's just crazy enough that he's like, well, I'll give it a shot. I'm going to try to go to Mars.
0: Yeah, I, I see that. It makes me wonder, though, why the projects that he's gone after. Mm. And did he will them into existence? Or did he, like, did he will... I guess my point is he seems to be ahead of every trend. Like he, yeah. like either he's very connected or he's very inte- – it's probably a combination of both. I'm sure he knows a lot of things before we know it, obviously. Absolutely. But he seems like he's very intelligent on a different level. Like he's gathering data in the world. Like he's somehow able to read the mass – population or at least the, the feedback that that population's giving, because to your point, he dove into an industry that seemed like it would be suicide and he challenged the norm and it didn't look good for a while. Investors were all over him. He doubled down. I almost
1: died a lot Ew. of times.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, and he doubled down hard and was basically like, I'm all in. And then it literally takes him to be the richest man in the world. And then he starts investing into rockets. And to your point, like, hey, I want to do it better than NASA and cheaper than NASA. And it was like, wow, big, giant risk. You'd think it was crazy. And it turns out to be fantastic. And now he's contracted with the United States government and he's rejuvenating space travel. I mean, it's like, and now he buys Twitter. Like, yeah why would you buy twitter like oh really you're mad? you're going to drop 44 billion dollars because of free speech like to me he either like has some messiah complex where he wants to save civilization and fly people to mars and he sees twitter as a a real ex- existential threat or there's maybe some other business decision i don't know maybe i'm looking into it maybe he just wants access to data i don't know right
1: it could be it could be all of the above it could be somebody above it could be none of the above at the end of the day only he knows yeah but i want to know i want to (laughs) know you'll find you'll find out in deep (laughs) time do you think think you'll find yeah i mean eventually like you know once enough is revealed, you'll figure out exactly what it is he's trying to accomplish with it.
3: Mm.
1: Shit, he might not even know, right? Like, he strikes me as a really calculating guy, but also someone who has kind of a fuck it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Let's give it a shot. Like, we'll figure it out as we go, right? Because a lot of these great entrepreneurs, like, they're very calculated, but they're also very, like, let's just give it, let's just give this a shot and see like what's the worst that could happen right mm-hmm. like at the end of the day if this goes horribly wrong I can just sell it back to someone else right like it's not it's not like that's 44 billion down the drain so I, don't, I really do not know what his, his motives are with it it's just the thing I find hilarious is everyone's reaction to it like I don't know what it is with humanity now but everyone is an expert on everything mm. So during COVID, everyone was an infectious disease expert. And then COVID ended and the war started in Ukraine. And now everyone is like an international relations expert an Nostradamus. And now he's buying Twitter and all of a sudden, everyone is, you know, best friends with him and knows his exact motive. It's like, I mean, just the world just switches from like, I'm an expert in this to this. To, it's like, and no one knows anything. Right? Because the people who are actual experts know that they don't know, so they don't say anything. Right. Like if you take like the war now, for instance, you go on Twitter, everyone has an opinion. Oh, Putin's doing it because of this, and there's this, and you know, you got the conspiracy theory all the way to the other end. And then you kind of look at the experts, or like people that know a little bit more than the average person, and the first thing they'll tell you is, I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Right but the guy who can't point out Ukraine or Russia on a map will tell you exactly the motives behind everything. It's like it's the same I mean,
0: thing that's driving that fear of missing out, the insecurity. It's like people are talking about this and I need to throw my name out there that I have knowledge about this. And it's misguided. I think
1: I think it's also bigger than that though. Yeah. I think it's not just FOMO in that case. I think it's a lot of people have a lot of anger now and nowhere to channel it. And they're just looking for things to be angry at, right? Mm-hmm. Their life sucks for one reason or the other. They're not happy at where they are. And every day is just to let me log on and see where and who I can blame this on, right? Gas prices are going up. by right? Like everything in their life is someone else's fault there's someone to be angry with. Oh, the Democrats did this. Oh, the Republicans did this. Oh, the Russians did this. Us oh, in New World, it's just like people, I think, just especially in the US, like the collective conscience is like angry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why people are so angry. I don't know if it's that whole, you know, hard times, soft man, soft man, whatever, but yeah.
0: I think a lot of people became and I'll, I'll use the word reliant kind of broadly but reliant mm. on the government right whether it's yeah. financially in the in the hardest scenarios or for thought for for, mm. you know, Propaganda. for guidance for support for security you know and i think yeah. there's a lot of people who i think are angry and they think that they've been failed, but what they didn't realize is it was never there to begin with. It's like
1: you American dream.
0: Yeah. You believed something that was held up by freaking popsicle sticks, you know? And if you, if you like actually thought about it and looked into it, you would, you'd realize that, you know, like I grew up, like I didn't know like health insurance is a great example of this, right? It's like how many people right now are grown ass adults that they get jobs and either they're just realizing at that point in time that you pay for health insurance, that it doesn't just like come with a job and that your employer actually has to go and like get, go go to get through a broker whoever. and get that. And they're, they're, you know, paying towards that as well. It's a part of your compensation package. So like if you're making $80,000 a year salary, you probably have like $110,000 carrying cost to the organization. Yep. Like, I didn't know that. I, I thought like you just were given healthcare.
1: You know? Shares, right. Oh, well, benefits. Yeah. Like, benefits. I, pay, I pay for them. How's it a benefit if I <clears throat> pay for it? Like huh?
0: Exactly. Right. And then you throw that with the narrative that's out in the world today. It's like people, I don't think they have, they start with a, a base understanding of what reality is, just at the fundamental level. Like, yeah. It, it's completely it's-
1: skewed. It's also a lot of people were sold a narrative, a story, a myth, mm. right, of what life was going to be like and how they were going to feel. And when they started taking off all the boxes, and they're reaching a point now where, like, yo, you told me I was going to be happy mm. and blah, blah blah blah. If I did all these things, I've spent all this money, time, and effort, and I don't feel that, mm-hmm. and now I'm angry, kind of thing, right? It's like, you know, like, go to college, get a degree, get a house, buy a picket fence, do all that stuff. You'll be happy. Save up money. Retire when you're 65. Like, huh? Mm. So you want me to work my entire life, save up a whole bunch of money, right? And then retire when I'm most feeble and then enjoy the money, just play golf for a couple years and die? Like, eh? That's like that never, ever made sense to me. But, yeah, it
0: actually makes I think sense a lot of to enjoy it now and go work as a greeter at Walmart when you're 70 because you got nothing else exactly, to
1: do. Exactly, exactly. Like I'm, I'd much rather do that and be 70 <laughs> and have spent all my money in like my 30s and 40s living life when you're like most able to, than have all this money when I'm seven. First off, how do you know you're gonna make it to 70? Right, like you don't even know that. So you have all this money. You're seven years old. You can't do anything. Like you're at the doctor's office, you're on this pill for that and this, and can't even ride like a roller coaster. Like, what? You know, don't get in the hot tub for too long because of your heart. Like, what? It makes absolutely no sense. And I think people, especially probably like, I think millennials are the first generation to realize that. Because before us, I think you could do those things, right? Like, you know, you hear of like people's parents and, you know, your dad could get a job and afford a house and a car and like build a life for himself right considerably better than the life that his dad had but now it's almost peaked where like with millennials their standard of living is not up to that of their parents and then it's like okay so you made me do all this work right and it's supposed to get better by generation but it's actually the same or worse that's not how it's supposed to work right like like you said, why don't I just go be agreed at Walmart? Like, why did I go take out two hundred grand in student loans, mm-hmm. you know, to make twenty-five bucks an hour? That doesn't add up. I'm gonna be paying this thing off for twenty years.
0: The frustrating thing is that in order to break free of that, you have to look at things outside of what you're being taught. And like that it it's pretty sad that our system still is teaching things that lead to broken process and ultimately kind of like fragmented outcomes there's no consistency like hey like go to every high school in the United States and I'm not advocating that college or education is bad at all but I mean my youngest brother is a classic example of this we talked about it on here he did not want to go to college he was like I it's just not for me I want to do something differently, maybe vocational, but I want to learn a skill. I want to learn a craft. And he had a guidance counselor and a, and a relative in my family that were very overbearing and kind of pushed him to go to college. And he dropped out after a year and had a bunch of debt. It made it difficult for him to then get into the next school because he had a poor history of things. It just kind of like compounded. That is an isolated scenario that, yeah. It's played out a thousand times over, okay? Tens of thousands of times. Right? And every a large percentage, at least, call it 70% of those people, are then going to take out loans that are subsidized by the government that they'll never be able to get off the hook for. Well, I guess unless we pass some sort of bill to <laughs> do that. forgive it which all. Which like a whole nother conversation, which is yeah. also way more complex than just like, I already paid my fucking loans back. What about me? You know, or yeah, like, you know, some, I didn't go to college. Tax, right? What about me? And my, where's my $30,000? So it's, it's way yeah. more complicated than that. But you've got all of these people that are going and taking out these loans and diving into this existence. And let's just say they stay on track. They don't mm-hmm. party too hard. They graduate in four, four and a half, five years and they get their degree in communications or, you know, sport and rec management you know, and they come out with like $80,000 in debt. And, you know, uh, interest rates that, and two of the three of the loans are probably going to get sold off to like eight different companies by the time you even, and it's like, wait, I owe more on it now, seven years after I graduated than I did. Like, how do I have $90,000 in debt and I make 45 or $50,000 a year? Like this isn't working. Right. But, my long winded kind of ramble here is go into a school right now, right? People are getting ready to graduate. It's May. And I bet you yeah. the resounding direction is, Hey, get your applications in. You're ready for college. Did you fill out your FAFSA yet? Did you get your student loans? Make sure you get your parent plus here. We'll send you over to the city bank representative because they want to get their claws into you too. But yet the youth of our nation, the people that are going to be leading us in whether it is, at the lowest craft level or at the highest oh. levels of our government, we're directing them down the wrong road. Like I don't
1: understand that. Well the, the crazy no. thing the crazy thing about it is that the system itself, like the education system itself, is completely broken because all it does is teach people how to memorize and how to listen. Mm-hmm. Right. And as everyone learns once you graduate the real world is not like college no one's taught to problem solve or to think right and in fact if you had a natural gift for that if you're not stubborn it will get drilled out of you right you will be taught to sit there and listen i remember watching this little clip of um Carl Sagan and he says when he goes to like when he'd go to speak in schools He'd go to like the kindergartens and the lower grades. And the moment the kids found out, you know, who he is, astronomer, whatever, physicist. it There'd be so many questions, you know, how did the universe start? You know, all these like, just, like the questions we're asking now, like, where is the energy? Who is God? What is this? What is that? And he's like, they're just so curious and they want to know all these things and have so many questions. And he's like, then he goes to speak to like the 11th graders right? Like the guys that are getting ready to graduate and go to college. And he's like, something horrible has happened between first grade and 11th grade because they just sit there like robots. They have no questions. They're not interested in everything. They're just going through the motions. And that's just years of sit down, listen, memorize this so you can pass this test and make it it to the next level and just keep doing that. And people do that over and over and over again by the time you're you're just a robot, right? Mm -hmm. but you're just another you're just another cog in the system and you don't know how to think for yourself you've lost that sense of wonder right you just accept whatever is told to you and it's tiring stressful and then once you do get into the real world any wonder that you had left is taken away because now you got the stress of paying bills And you gotta pay rent and you gotta catch up on your credit score and you have to do that and there's all these things you have to do that you don't even have time to want even if you wanted to like you know you try to have a conversation with someone and you know they're about to get evicted or something they don't give a fuck about the edge of the universe they're not gonna have a place to live in a week like right like they don't care whether is this turtle know about the kangaroo or anything like they can't yeah it's just, I have nowhere to sleep next week, right? Like, I don't care about E equals MC squared and whether there's aliens, right? And that's the problem is when you have a lot of people that are stressed and struggling, it's not gonna be that much innovation because people can't think, they're just trying to get to the next step, right? And then they're told also, right? That once you get to the next step, you'll be happy one day. There's that famous saying, one day I will be one day. It's like one day doesn't exist. There's Monday to Sunday. There's no one day. Right, but it's that that hope, you know, just keeps hoping they we'll get better, they we'll get better, and it never does. And then once they finally realize, shit, it's not getting better, then they're angry and they're on Twitter, getting mad at Elon Musk for going to space and oh, he's wasting think, money. And it's like, do you it's think crazy. they're
0: mad at the system or are they mad at themselves?
1: Both. I think they're mad at the system for lying to them, and they're mad at themselves for falling for it. I agree. Right? It's almost being—it's almost like being in a toxic relationship and someone's like cheating on you. And then they cheated on you numerous times. You're mad at the person for doing it, but you're also mad at yourself. Like, damn it, how did I not see this? Like I, the signs were there, but I didn't see it. So I think it's yeah. both, which is worse.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I would agree 100%. Um, are you familiar with Apogee Cedar Park? It's a school no. that uh, Tim Kennedy founded. Mm -hmm. it's um you know like a lot of people i'm sure like my wife and i'll she'll send me these homes and be like you know she sent me one today down in uh, the carolinas and she's like we're moving i'm like okay yeah sure okay exactly (laughs) Exactly. like did you did you come up with you know x amount of millions of dollars more than i knew we had because it's it's always like some 10 million dollar pad yeah
1: yeah my wife my wife does that oh my god this is beautiful place and so i'm like oh yeah yeah Yeah. fantastic awesome um (laughs) what what info do do (laughs) you have about finances that i don't like (laughs) exactly please
0: tell me that that powerball ticket i picked up is a hit (laughs) um like we do that all the time you know, there's been talk from us. I mean, I'm up in Northeast, so it gets a little cold. It's nice right now. So very it kind of disappears the urge to want to leave, but when it's snowing, you know, it's very easy to envision an existence in warmer weather. And Texas seems to be the, the destination. And I think that was kind of where I wanted to get with you anyways, but you well, know,
1: everyone is going to Texas
0: whether it's there or you know other places with two little ones my wife and I I mean it's like hey school is like i think a lot of people wanna bitch they'll get on facebook and they'll complain they'll yeah. spend 8 hours a day there typing about the school board and this and that but it's like you put your kids there you fucking send them right like
1: yeah at the end of the day
0: you don't have to send your kids and i know that's easier said than done and you know yeah. some people have more resources But we've talked about that because I don't want to be one of those parents. I I certainly don't want to be somebody that's like showing up at the school board meeting, complaining about critical race theory or mask mandates or it's like, it's public school, you know, like I, it is what they're trying to deal with a lot of people and make everybody happy. It's not easy. And if you want a different setting, then explore them. And Tim Kennedy, create it. Yeah. I mean, he created this school called Apogee Cedar Park. It's outside of Austin and it's built like curriculum. That's kind of built around real world scenarios and like um, just different types of capabilities that humans need to live in the world. So like, you're not going to sit at a desk and learn your multiplication tables. You're going to apply it in a real world scenario right you're going to have to learn geography and learn how to read a map you know and be outside and kind of like actually learn in the moment and i'm i'm drawing a blank as the sauna zapped all my brain cells as to like the type of there's a word that i'm looking for so i apologize that i sound like but i know exactly
1: what you're trying to say though because yeah it's like what i was saying is especially now that the world changes so quickly that whatever you learn today unless you're learning like math like fundamentals one plus one is always two everything else you're learning is evolving and it's probably going to be completely irrelevant by the time you graduate right and if you never learn how to think or problem solve you're not going to be able to adapt so you're better off like teaching people letting them keep their wonder, teaching them how to problem solve, how to think for themselves so that when things do change, they don't have to go back and get another degree, you can just adapt, like you said. Like it's just, it's, like the education system was designed for the industrial age, right, where stuff didn't evolve as quickly, you needed people in factories and stuff like that, now, like, you know, people are living in Bali and working for companies in San Francisco and... You know technology that came out three years ago you look at it like you, you look at the iphone whatever the iphone was three years ago like iphone 10 or whatever mm-hmm. and you're like eh, it's so small oh, the camera's so shitty right like it changes so quickly imagine if you went to school and like learned some shit about that and then you graduate and it's like mm.
2: Mm.
1: like you don't know what you're talking about
2: yeah no and i mean totally
1: the funny the funny thing is that like it's it's so powerful like these things are so ingrained and they get stuck in there so deep that even, I'll give you an example. So my father-in-law used to be a Waldorf teacher. And Waldorf school is kind of like, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's kind of like Montessori kind of thing. Like it's kind of what you explain him, like Tim Kennedy, right? Like,
2: okay,
1: they learn real world stuff. Practical. It's not just practical things right
0: that was the word I was looking for by the way
1: here you go you learn that but they also learn like stories and myth and science and all that stuff so they learn the facts right and they learn how to like just let your mind wander and think hmm. the same way you know the people who came up with the facts and figure out the facts that you know arrived there so that you can maybe reach there one day and it's I go into the classroom one day and it's the middle of the day and the kids have their desks all bunched up right and they're playing ping pong it's the middle of the day and i was looking i was like what the hell is this i was like these kids are here playing ping pong like they should be learning stuff right like they should be learning stuff and i go home and i was thinking about it and i was like wow i was like i absolutely hated school i hated sitting down there for eight hours staring at a board having to memorize some stuff i would have absolutely loved to play some ping pong in the middle of the day right like that would be like a dream when I was in school here I'm seeing kids do it and I'm like what "What are you doing
3: doing?"
1: (laughs) because I was in that system so long I hated it and now I'm out of it and I'm almost trying to impose it on the next generation Mm. and it's it's so weird that like you can hate something you can detest it so much but somehow it's just like it's stuck in your head it's like people from like abusive homes go on a lot of times to create their own abusive homes even though they absolutely hated it as kids it's like you know every serial killer has like some mom issue or something or some complex right it's it's, it's a very odd thing to say at least yeah uh, really and yeah. i think that's why these things perpetuate because people can be aware of it right but they can't see past it and they just this is the way it was for me this is the way it's going to be for you even though you hated it. And yeah. I don't, I don't know what part of the human psyche. I don't know what part of the human psyche that is that makes us do that.
0: I mean, they say the same thing with like molestation people, right? Like people who stuff. a lot of times go on to molest other people, which
1: is like, yep. a of,
0: I mean, think about that. It's like, man, right. Unwind that ball of yarn.
1: Yeah. That's what I, I've thought about it a lot. I'm like, what, what in the human psyche makes people impose the same kind of pain and hurt that they experience on other people like it's really like, I, I don't know what like it's like the like with Liberia right like Liberia was founded was it was like old slave owners or something that's where they used to send like all the former slaves <laughs> and they all went back to Liberia and the slave colonies which to me is like you were slaves right you suffered immensely they send you back right to this quasi country that they created and then you just apply what was done to you to someone else same thing like you said with like pedophiles and all that. like mm-hmm. it's very odd how humans do that
0: here would be the thing that i'd ask in that scenario though right So you go back, you, you're, you're enslaved and then you're given this ability to go back and you have this land. Is their act of enslaving a power thing where like we went from the bottom and now we have the control. And like, I I get Mm -hmm. that you're still kind of like inflicting what you had, but then from like a molestation standpoint, to me, that's even crazier because it's like, you're not going, I, I mean, maybe it, maybe it's the same thing now that I think maybe it's control, right? You felt like somebody had control over you and now you have, you That, that, that is someone. the. I guess that's the common theme, right? It's control. You yeah. felt like somebody or not even that somebody had control, but that you didn't have control is probably so more wanna, of what it is, right? Like you didn't have control over something. And now you, the only, the only thing you know how to control is that somebody controlled you doing this. And so now that becomes how you can control somebody, which is filling the gap of what you feel is missing—that you had no control.
1: That's quite possible. Yeah, it'd be a fascinating question to ask, like a like a clinical psychologist or something. Do you know any?
0: That was the thing. I'd love, I'd <laughs> I love to, I'd love to talk, talk with one <laughs> for myself and myself. for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was just thinking about it and I was like, it'd be fascinating to talk to like one of these FBI like profilers or something mm-hmm. who understand people like that and how they think, what makes them, what makes them that way.
2: Yeah. I'm
0: uh I don't know. this is the human is brain. One, is scary. It is. When, it, when it goes,
1: people. when it goes loose, it goes loose.
0: <laughs> oh, dude. Right? It's, I, I know a lot of people that have, you know, various levels of mental illness. And the mind is a, a tricky thing. I've had a neuroscientist on a couple of times.
1: Oh yeah. I saw some clips from that. I remember.
0: Yeah. It's actually my jujitsu um, professor's brother. He's uh, really, yeah, he random very, yeah. Like crazy family. Like they have one brother that goes to Alaska on these moose hunts with, like, he shoots moose on archery hunts. Like mm-hmm. we'll camp out for weeks at a time. And uh, then the other brother who is uh, my jujitsu instructor and then the brother that's the a neuroscientist. neuroscientist. Yeah. So
1: kind they of must have really, interesting Thanksgiving conversations. Oh dude, they have to
0: like, right. It's very, very interesting They're, family, but like he's had some cool. really cool things that he shared just about brain chemistry. He's um, more of a cell biologist and he's his mm. specialty are, Brain cells and how they interact um, with each other and with substances. So, he does a lot of research with uh, CBD and different the best things.
1: substance to take to connect yeah. more. Right. That's what I need to know. Oh, tell me I, about it. I just want to know what's going to make the most connections.
0: I'll, I'll fucking, I'll mail you something. I'll tell you what, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I feel like I get that connection. Um, yeah oh yeah
1: for sure it's uh I, although again that might be that might be a slippery slope because you might not want to connect too much there might be certain regions that need to not talk to each other right because yeah. everything anything done in excess doesn't matter what it is it's water you drink enough water you kill yourself
0: yeah i it's probably overstated on here but i uh I've, I've kind of had an interesting reflection point with cannabis. I was on a, really? bachelor, yeah, I'll I know people are probably like, ah, oh, he said this like 20 times, but I'll tell you the story. Um, oh, cool. the, the brief overview, I went on a trip to Florida with some friends for a bachelor party and one of the guys who's, you know, like I've said it a bunch of times, like this group of guys was not like the crazy party type people um all professional like you know i have a high level of respect for them their decision making and everything and one of them brought some edibles and they were like 10 milligram edibles and this dude took one edible and just got weird man like weird to the point where at first we were like okay that was strange but then by the like middle of the night we were like okay some, well, you got to send him back to the house because he's ruining this night for us. He's acting strange. He, you know, just not talking, saying weird shit. And uh, we ordered him an Uber and he was like, please don't send me back by myself. I'll jump out of the car. Like saying, like, yeah. So if you, if you go listen to the episode, because I had Dr. Mike Hart on before it was yeah. actually the podcast episode before this one. And he was on. I got to go listen to that. Yeah. He was on Rogan talking. He actually debated Alex Berenson um, about cannabis yeah. years back. So I had him on and I brought this up and he gave some interesting insight as to potentially what could have been wrong. But dude, my friend, the next day he was like, dude, I, I literally was going to, he was going to jump off of a balcony at one point, And then he was going to jump out of the vehicle. And when we finally went home, he was still thinking that we had him in so the he middle was, like, Yeah. And he said, not suicidal and like, Hey, I want to kill myself. But he's like, my brain kept telling me the only way to not feel this is to jump out of the car or to jump off the balcony. And it, do you know, what's crazy is Mike Hart, Dr. Hart brought this up before I even said it to him that sometimes people will hate the feeling so much that like the, like ending it shutting it off is like the only thing that makes them think that everything will be okay,
1: which end the game. Yeah. When he said
0: that, and I thought about that, it like definitely made me think twice about cannabis because I've never had that type of an experience before. And I'm like, edibles
1: are different though.
0: Oh dude, I know, but I've, I mean, he (sighs) ate, and I know they're different for everybody, but I mean, I've crushed a 500 milligram rice crispy treat and hopped on an airplane. And like, oh,
1: that was must have tell- been
0: fun. I felt like I was sitting on the wing, but I've never felt like, hey, I'm gonna, I wanna kill myself. And I think yeah. from what Dr. Hart told me, it's very, very few and far between people having that type of a reaction, but it's real. And if it's real to me, it does make me think like, okay, how many people wow. are gonna wander into a recreational cannabis facility here over the next 12 months? and, get and jump off a bridge yeah like and if it's one out of a thousand it's still one out of a thousand and it doesn't mean that we should make it illegal but i don't think that it should be my point was just like i don't think it should be ignored and we should talk about this because
1: you know shit's real. i remember i remember reading that thc had a connection to schizophrenia hmm. And apparently people with a history of schizophrenia and stuff like that in their family hmm. probably shouldn't do THC because it can trigger that. And I, I do remember in college, there was a guy, he was cousins with the dude who used to sell weed. Like the local, you know, like the local, you know, there's always about one guy in college, like the local like college oh, yeah. dealer. Yeah. Anyways. So he didn't, he didn't go to school with us. He always just used to come down, hang out for the weekends and he was a totally normal dude. And then one weekend he comes down and he's just weird. Like almost like, I don't know how to explain it. It was almost like, I don't want to say special needs because that'll, sounds like I'm saying special needs are weird, but like when someone's normal, yeah, right. And then their personality completely changes, there's just. I mean, we like, you know, I thought maybe he was having, like, a bad weekend or something. And then he asked his cousin later on, and he's like, dude, he's like, we were just chilling at home the other weekend. He smoked. And that was it. And now, years later, the guy just, when he flipped, that was, he never went back to, like, cool guy, awesome. But he's just, he's, like, literally a completely different person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the way he talks, his demeanor, thought process, right? He's like very like socially awkward now, even though he was like the life of the party before, like this polar opposite human. And the guy was like, yeah, let's just, we just smoked this one time, took some edibles and boom, dude just flipped and never come back. And I, I, rem- I remember that story, which is why I Googled stuff like that. And then I came across the whole THC and schizophrenia and, mm-hmm.
0: I watched a documentary years ago Mm. and initial, and I think Rogan may have like um, narrated it. It was on Netflix. Um, But one of the things they talked about was the correlation between schizophrenia and cannabis. And at, at that point in time and up until recently I was of the mindset, I like push back pretty hard. I'm like, there's no evidence of it. The documentary kind of showed that, they, they measured two things. They measured the rate of occurrence of schizophrenia in the total population over time. And then and they, they looked at use. the rate of consumption of cannabis over time. And they did not see increases in schizophrenia along the points of time where increase in cannabis consumption. So their, observesion, observes, observesion, their, <laughs> their observation, observation, their observation, yeah, right. Their observation was that cannabis was not correlated to schizophrenia. But mm-hmm. then what Dr. Hart told me is that since then, a lot of studies have shown that cannabis or THC does not cause schizophrenia, but that That's to your so point, good. there's a lot of people who have schizophrenia or the traits or whatever. I don't know what the, the correct terminology is, but they, they have those characteristics in their persona, psychology, and smoking you know? cannabis does bring that out in those people, but that it's not like you you may have had never had it rise up, I guess, or it could have happened later on from some other traumatic event or something. But yeah, it's that it's not good. And he asked me, he's like, Hey, do you know? You know, and my friends probably listen to this, like, motherfucker. But I'm like, you know, he's like, Does your friend have schizophrenia? Because it's sound like what he was saying sounds like somebody who has schizophrenia, yeah. but I'm like, no, yeah, like i never, never would have ever thought that, you know? And he's like, that's, he's like, take the stigma away from your brain that like your friend is some like psychopath. He's like, you know, schizophrenia yeah. is actually kind of something that's somewhat more common than I think people realize, but he's like, it could be that he never even knew he had it. So now that's I'm true. in that boat. How do I tell my friend that he's a psychopath? Right. It's like, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: just kidding, but.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. the, the line between crazy and genius is incredibly thin. Yeah. Right? Like, sometimes you could confuse the two, actually. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing, right? People have this preconceived notion, you know, someone's schizophrenic or a psychopath or, you know, every psychopath is a serial killer. It's like most of them actually are not serial killers. They're very successful people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we have all these just notions
0: Well, ask how many of those people that have that opinion about someone and ask them, you know, do they have fantasies, sexual fantasies that Mm. they would want everybody to know about? And what would those say about them? You know, are they deviant? Are they horrible people? Like, we all have things that go through our minds. It doesn't mean that we act. And that's, it's really interesting, right? Because, wow, now you got me thinking, right?
1: If the purge existed. Yeah.
0: I mean, and I'm speaking specifically, I have kids, right? So I'm like, you fucking touch my kid, or, you know, I've had, there was a situation, and even just all, you know, popular culture, right? Kane Velasquez. Everybody's following that in the MMA world. I think he's up for like an emergency bail hearing here sometime this week. Yeah. Hopefully he gets out. But I mean, if you don't know, I believe it was his daughter. If not, it was a a very close relative. I I think it was his daughter, right? that was like molested for a year straight by some guy at a daycare center. And he followed him and shot through the truck and accidentally shot the guy's stepfather. And now he's behind bars, but like thinking of shit like that, if somebody ever was to like, try to hurt my child, there's no limit to the things that I would do. Does that make me guilty though? Because I've, you know, thought about those things and where does that limit lie? I think we would well, be very scared to know what,
1: like,
2: well, See, this, this is,
1: <laughs> I tell people this all the time, right? It's because society's fairly stable mm. for the most part, right? Like, everyone's cordial with each other. When someone pisses you off at the coffee shop, you know, you guys don't, for the most part, people don't get into fist fights. Road rage rarely turns violent, you know, like, people disagree. Mm. Like, we're, in the grand scheme of things, relatively peaceful. And a lot of people think that that is the normal human setting right And they think the days of Holocausts and all these crazy things are you know behind us, those all these immoral people. It's like all that stuff's still in us. like all of us that exist now are just as capable of all the evils that we've heard about in history in the present moment right and it just takes the right situations and the right triggers to spark it right back up that stuff didn't evolve out of us in one generation it's still all in there right which is why people could go to these dark places very quickly mm-hmm. and that goes back to like a, phlo- a German philosopher Nietzsche I'm probably butchering the pronunciation whatever German's listening I was probably like oh, I but he said like morality people aren't Morality is tricky because people confuse obedience with morality. I'll give you an example, the speed limit on the highway. If someone just dropped you from another planet, boom, onto the highway, wherever, right? And you see a sign, they say, what's that? They tell you, oh, that's a speed limit at 65. And you see everyone's driving the speed limit right you would go wow these this is an incredibly moral group of people these people are very moral but should you then stop each person and ask them i'm pretty sure a vast majority of them will tell you they're driving 65 because they know there's consequences they're going over 65 right so inherently those people aren't actually that moral they're just being obedient because given the opportunity right That's if there's no worries, consequences man. if there was no consequences yeah. i mean most people do it anyways right and they push it they go well you know if you're going five or ten over then you know you should be good kind of thing right like well you know if you do 75 80 you're kind of pushing it like we find the boundaries of you know how far will you let me go before you impose these consequences right
3: mm-hmm.
1: so i'm sure there's some people in there who are driving i'm like well you know it's good to drive you know it's proven the slower you drive the safer it is right but mm-hmm. i don't think anyone drives 65 <laughs> no, right definitely not where you're at exactly <laughs> you're going 80 85 and people are honking at you kind of thing
0: yeah and watch your mirrors so, there's a bike coming down in between lanes too right exactly well
1: i used to be <laughs> me for many years but not anymore <laughs> but yeah so it's just I and mean, then it applies to everything else right it's like you see it in all these places that you know just divulge to war or you know like a holocaust happens or like some insane tragedy or something people go "Oh, how could they do this it's like well humans have been doing this since
2: mm-hmm.
1: you go as far back as we know it we've been doing this we've gotten better at it right because people have gotten comfortable. Society has imposed rules, laws, right? People aren't as threatened anymore. So the cost benefit thing is like, I don't really need to go out and do all this crazy stuff, you know, just order my food, chill at home. I'm safe. You're safe. It's kind of like a mutually assured, like you don't go crazy. I won't go crazy. Kind of How thing. long
0: has it really been safe? You know what I mean? Like that, that's the point, right? So it's like, okay, <laughs> safe, relatively home. safe. I mean, I could argue that it's only been 70 years i mean you think about the world like uh, spare vietnam that's all in my opinion manufactured war you know but like there was real existential threats with the world wars you know civilization could have ended in a number of different ways so i mean if you look at it in that sense it's been 70 years wow that's a long time i bet you could find a hundred and hundred very quickly examples of 70 year stretches of peace and happiness in between horrible catastrophes of mass casualty. Right. So that, and if you go further and take it back, even, you know, 500 years, 600, I mean, it's like even a thousand years, like that's still a small subset. So. Absolutely. I think we're just at a low point of action you know and like oh it's just the natural reoccurrence that's
1: yeah yeah that's why i i don't know like i think people place too much faith in the humanity of humans Hmm. right i think ultimately most people are good they don't want to do harm right like people aren't born, I mean, some people are, but most people are not born inherently evil because, at the end of the day, we are a social species. So mm-hmm. we're designed to make friends and talk with each other. And, you know, because survival as a group is easier to do than the lone individual. But at the end of the day, survival of the group also entails taking over from other groups. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're only designed to have one group of like 100, 150 is the max that the person can actually like know and associate and have relationships with. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, it's very hard to have empathy for other groups in a time of peace. Oh, totally people can do it. Right. Because you have the headspace, you're not worried about your local group. You have the headspace to worry about something else. But when push comes to shove, and your safety is at stake you're not going to care about the other one it's going to be about me and my family and whoever's around me and i don't care if we've been buddies for like 10 years or whatever you have something i need right you hear about that in the um there's a documentary about the the holocaust in the wanda in the 90s and you hear these these people talking about like how they went and killed their neighbors like people that they had known for generations, right? They've known people 10, 20 years. Have lived next with them, you know, lived next to them, broke bread with them, kids or friends, and just with the propaganda and all the crazy shit that's being told to them, and that person's your enemy, and them getting dehumanized, they go out there and chop their heads off, right? Like in the most personal way, right? Like it's very, it's one thing to shoot someone; it's another thing to like, mm-hmm. and you have to really hate someone. To like physically kill them, and so all that I think is still all that still lurks in Mm. in humanity. I mean, you see it right. Like, how long has this Russia-Ukraine war gone on? Two weeks into it, you start hearing about war crimes, killing kids, raping women. Like,
0: well, and and it then becomes a narrative, and as opposed to. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but it becomes news to report on instead mm-hmm. of something to do something about. If that makes sense. It's like, in a way we're set up, whether it's the war or COVID or any, anything that's in the news cycle, there's no incentive to solve the problem because the problem is stoking the fire. And so it's like, you know, let's, not go over and solve the war crimes let's put jake Tapper let's talk on about it. It, to talk about yeah. it and fucking piss everybody off and get them to come back to the next segment because we've got two more people that are going to talk about it and god i hope this doesn't end because we've got more ads that we need to cl- i mean it's this big giant machine and it doesn't matter if it's left or right it's all feeding this innate understanding and i think part of it is the understanding that shit has cycles and okay we'll have to move but boy when they find a good one they'll do everything they can to slow oh, yeah. it down right and it's oh,
1: yeah. and we'll, well, what's we'll, this? we'll
0: sit here and take it on in the chin you know
1: yeah well um what's his name has a great quote about that naval ravikant really smart dude and he says um the media's what was it again i don't want to butcher it but he said i think it's the meat it's the media's job to make every problem your problem
3: mm-hmm <laughs> right
1: because that way if it's your problem you click on it those clicks need add dollars at the end of the day and people always forget they look at these you know establishments be it newspapers or you know news and everything and they've done so brilliantly well at kind of shaping themselves as a service we're just here at your service bringing you the news, telling you what's going on so that you are an informed individual, right? People forget, these guys are there to make money, right? At the end of the day, they have shareholders, there's a boss, there's a CEO, there's a CFO, they want bonuses, right? There's employees, they're there to make money, right? So like you said, to your point, when they find a cash cow, they're gonna milk it, right? But people don't seem to realize this. And I think partly it's because when whenever this whole news thing did start, right? And you know, printing press kind of was born and all of that, people didn't know how much they could get away with in terms of like making stuff up.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So when they reported, you had like real investigative journalists, right? Like the guys that broke, what was the Nixon thing, Watergate or whatever. Mm and they would report real news still for profit and everything but you got a lot more authentic stuff fast forward to now and they're realizing shit we can just make up stuff like literally we can just make up stuff and as long as people click on it even if it's proven to be wrong in 12 hours it doesn't matter you can't unclick it we got that click we sold those ads on to the next one right Mm -hmm. And especially in a society now where we consume everything so fast, both physical, mentally, everything just gets consumed so fast. There's no time to, you know, do some great investigative story or like really dig into an issue. It's just what, what can we microwave right now?
0: You need, you need people to get behind that, right? That's the only way something like that gains traction. You can have a great investigative journalist, but if nobody's going to watch the segment and get invested in that, to your point yeah. it's like hey yeah that was great but will smith smacked chris rock and boom there you, you go know, his wife is putting him through hell and he only did it because she's yeah. cheating on him and he's got all this pent-up anger and it's like hey bro got it but do you recall what we were just talking about like we're not having exactly. the conversation that we were i just mean having.
1: it's the same problem that plagues corporate america right and that's yeah. how we've ended up destroying industries in the u.s is because short-term goals took precedent over long-term goals, right? Mm -hmm. That's how the Chinese managed to catch up with us because they started playing the long game and we started playing the short game. Meaning, you know, if I'm manufacturing clothes or whatever, at the end of the day, if you're a CEO, especially if a publicly traded company, every quarter you got to report earnings, right? Shareholders want to see growth. They want to see money. They want to get paid their dividends, right? no one wants the stock price to drop. So if you come in there with some idea that's gonna like, you know, help you guys in two, three years, no one wants to hear that shit. I need this shit by June, right? So it's like, okay, how do we flip that quick? Boom, let's sell all the manufacturing to China and you know, let's outsource this and outsource that and let's cut costs here and let's dump this whatever in the ocean and let's do this and that, which is great in the short run, right? Shareholders make money, looks good on the Nasdaq. Oop, you know, Dow Jones hit a new high president. Oh, economy is great. People are happy. You know, they're getting consumers happy. They're getting cheaper products. And so now fast forward 20 years. And everyone's like, all our jobs are in China. The Chinese economy is massive. Now, now they're buying up all our real estate. <laughs> yeah. That zero interest for
0: 36 months <laughs> catches up to you. Right. When shit's, when
1: exactly, shit's all. Right? At no cost. Yeah. And it's, and it's the same thing. It's like, what one's got to give right you wanted short you want it short term you're giving up long term right they played the long term so they're good now we played short term we were good but now it's like okay mm-hmm. so that's the whole that's the same principle that applies to like news right like you keep going for all these clickbaity stories and you're just gonna have people that just they're just used to the used to the, the quick cycle and they don't appreciate a piece that took you know a year's work or two years work and even if they do appreciate it i mean you see this with like netflix documentaries and stuff right it will tr- like what was that one with the tiger guy
0: Can't remember yeah tiger king
1: tiger king right like they'll have these documentaries and you know all this work went into it all this money all this effort and it'll be everything that anyone talks about for a couple of days and then that's it Done, right? So if I'm there spending these dollars in this company and I'm getting judged every four months on how much money I'm bringing in, am I going to spend 10 million bucks to develop some amazing documentary, right? That'll get us 10 million views in a weekend. Or am I just going to run Will Smith's story and pay some pundits a couple grand to come talk about it for a couple hours and get 10 million views? Mm-hmm of course I'm incentivized to run with Will Smith versus some documentary about something, right? Like, so yeah, that's one of the downsides of, of capitalism, right? Incentives are great, but sometimes they produce not so in the long run, they don't produce the greatest results.
0: Hmm. Managing at scale. Sounds like such a fun problem to have to deal with. I'm, in ways like, I don't know, man. I, I was, I I was eager to ask you some of these things because I'm like, I think, and we always think the moment we're in is like the most crucial moment ever. Right. And then it's like, you only knew it it was right around the corner, but I do think we're seeing a lot of things happening right now that can impact the go forward significantly if you really think about it right and i'm optimistic that elon musk which again to the will smith con i don't even know elon musk is a, is a real person get, he could he's be gonna, fake, he's gonna
1: save us all and take us to mars but he could
0: and i you know there's maybe it's the access to the information but there just seems to have been so much impactful information that has been dumped on all of us that yeah. has us up in a, in a firestorm that I'm, I'm really interested to see how the variables that are up in the air land, where, where did all the puzzle pieces fall? And what does the world look like in 2025? Because Boy. to me, maybe, I, maybe I wouldn't even, place,
1: you know, maybe I we're wouldn't we're even trying. attempt to like predict because, if you if you rewind back to 2018 right and someone tells you what, what what's gonna happen from 2020 to 2022 you'd say bro you had too many fucking edibles like you are crazy what do you mean the world's gonna lock down for a year and a half like, there's gonna be a war like no you're, no you're insane that will never happen like that's impossible mm-hmm. right, like but now look at that so I i like I can't even attempt to predict. Like, this season of Earth is just wild. And I have no clue what's going to, like, not at this point, nothing would surprise me. Like, I've reached the point where, like, if I woke up tomorrow tomorrow, and they were like, yo, there's aliens, they landed in DC, you know, and they're invading, I'd be like, all right, cool. There's aliens, like, you know, it wouldn't even be, like, there's literally nothing that would surprise me. Like absolutely nothing everything is on the table now in my mind like you just started a
0: new netflix uh short document or not even a documentary just kind of an abbreviated series that we'll have to start called earth and that's all yeah it's 12 episodes and every episode there's no logic to it it's just like oh like the guys at the grocery store and like there's just random shit happen there's a dinosaur outside because elon decided to like create dinosaurs again and bring one back like i mean because that's kind of the the direction that i almost feel like we're going like every it starts off with the things that are needed because that's what justifies us like oh yeah generate rockets let's shoot us to mars because god forbid an asteroid hits earth so yeah everybody that's a really good idea but then it's like hey we want to bring dinosaurs back and hey we want to put you know, a dome over top of Earth and who knows, man. I don't know. It's I'm probably getting a little crazy here, but
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have I have no clue where anything's gonna go. And anyone who tells you that they do are lying to you. They don't know. Some people might have some good guesses, right? Especially the people who are helping shape the future. Mm -hmm. Right. So Elon Musk might have a slightly better guess as to where it might go. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day it's yeah it's we're living that's like was it was it stalin or lenin one of those communist guys has a quote where he says there are decades where nothing happens and then there are weeks where decades happen wow this is we're in that point where decades are happening because if you look if you look at human history right we arrange it and we punctuate everything with these massive moments, right? So most recently everything is pre-World War II, post-World War II, right? pre 11 post post-9-11. This is the next one. Mm. I don't know what they're gonna call it, but there's gonna be a pre-COVID whatever time, and there's gonna be a post-2020 to 22, right? Or we're gonna we're gonna have a decade kind of like, you know. what what are the 20s called the the 20s were called something the 30s were called something else Or
0: yeah shit i mean there's gonna be a name
1: for the 20 from 2020
0: there's there's shit like that for i mean there was the dark ages right there's
1: exactly right like
0: i mean there's all kinds of things you know
1: the renaissance great depression where and then like you said there's that like you know chunk of years where everything's kind of peaceful nothing happens it's just, you know that was the filler episode. Now we're into now we're into the juicy part again now here's another another punctuation and we're living through one of those mm-hmm. And I don't know where it's gonna go.
0: You'll be watching from a different state though, right you got, I hope so gonna be, are you sticking around still I mean is it how bad I mean is it bad right now or are people over exaggerating <laughs> how bad it is?
1: So in LA, it's worse i don't think it's as bad as people are saying like crime wise it's definitely a lot more crime yeah. right the homeless problems insane you know everything else is just as bad as it always was traffic all that shit yeah. san francisco i hear is horrible and a couple times that i run into people from san francisco i'll ask them that exact question I go, yo, is it as bad as everyone says? And they go, it's worse. Really? (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Oh, man. And the first person I asked was very right-leaning. So I seemed, okay, you know, you might be biased there. And then the next lady I spoke to, that I asked, is about as left as you can get. And she said the same thing. She's like, it's worse. I was like, okay, when you have agreement from both sides, (laughs) when both sides are in agreement in this day and age, you know you have a real issue at hand because the alt right and alt left do not agree. So when they agree,
0: That's you you a
1: have a real problem.
0: Too, I loved my aunt um, my aunt and uncle lived in Sausalito right over the bridge. Mm. and um, I was a little kid and would visit them and they moved from there and I didn't go back for a long time. Um, had some work things that I was like in and out quickly. but my wife and I got married. we went to Hawaii um did yeah. the big island for the first week of our honeymoon and then we landed in san francisco for a connecting flight on the way back and i was like hey we're gonna stick around and stay in san fran for three or four more days and yeah. we explored the city and that was in 2017 so um you know that was
1: around the last time i went to 2016 2017
0: it was different than i had remembered and i remember being like wow definitely homeless i remember we pulled in and some dude was taking a shit right on the sidewalk, <laughs> like literally. And I know there's a, like an app now too that talks about like you can, um, if you see poop on the sidewalk, you can mark it so that people know like where there's get the
1: fuck out of here. here.
0: Swear to God, it's a um, the something.
1: Oh my God! App. It's a it's a literal
0: app that you can get on the app store. But we looked, wow. and I'm like laughing, and I point at him. And he grabbed a plastic cup out of the garbage that he was like leaning up against, and he threw it at my car. And I was like, "Oh shit!" And it's like we went, we stayed at the JW downtown, and we walked to dinner two nights. And you couldn't go uh, like a half a yeah, block. Apparently, apparently, in. you
1: don't walk anymore in San Francisco. Yeah, that was yeah, that probably- was
0: in seventeen, right? So,
1: yeah, apparently, it's like they have scaled. Apparently it's way, way worse now as far as like I've spoken to three or four people that live there. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's pretty gnarly. It's unreal too,
0: because you wouldn't think, I mean, I know the population of homeless is growing in LA, but why San Francisco? That to me is something I didn't understand. Like, it's not the most ideal temperature. Like you think of California, That's true.
1: Southern California,
0: sucks, man, I would not be fucking homeless in San Francisco. Like I've been I've been in a nice hotel and thought the weather was shit.
1: Like that's true. San Francisco is much colder than Southern California. San Diego is probably the perfect place to be homeless, dude. Yeah, right. 70 degrees year round. But yeah, I don't know exactly what the issue is in San Francisco. I know housing's a big issue, right? Cuz you know, with the whole Silicon Valley boom that drives up housing prices, but it's not ne- that's what people always like to say. Oh, it's the housing crisis, but there's, there has to be something else. And with San Francisco, I'm not quite sure. I've never actually really looked into it, but I'm not quite sure what the real, I know they have a drug problem that yeah. always contributes to it. I mean, I've so heard I don't a lot know... of
0: people point to, sorry, not to interrupt you. Um, yeah. A lot of people point to the, the way you deal with people who are homeless. And I don't know if there's, I've not seen any studies to know if there's any truth to this but in theory I can understand where it makes some sense where you have a lot of cities that have these very compassionate laws where they want to do the right thing they want to help somebody who's down on their luck and yeah. they go into it with this very very like good-hearted mentality that's never but going then to Then you
1: succeed. end up just enabling people, right?
0: Yeah, it's like that's just not going to work and unfortunately there needs to be rules and there are going to be good people who are down on their luck that the rules are going to make their luck even worse or seem like it's worse. But it's all ultimately the only way that you're ever going to solve the problem is to like reinforce it because it grows if not. And I think that's where I think a lot of people point to it's like, Hey, once you start implementing these policies where you're trying to help people, the problem seems to grow. So
2: what and was, then the
1: problem is like when they have a policy that doesn't work because it's politics and the other side says hey it's not working you're ruining it bingo it's not a conversation where you go okay well what do you think we could do to adjust it they then double down on it right and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and, worse and they just keep and doubling down it is pull it yeah exactly and then you pull it and then it's a rug pull and then it's worse again so i think the problem is just like it's lack of dialogue. And I think California's issue now is one side is in control of everything. Yeah. I think in a democracy, it's never good to have one side of the coin controlling everything. Right? You need, you need, like you said in the last podcast, you need friction, right?
2: Yeah.
1: You need a find balance between one side and the other side to kind of keep everyone in check. Because now, the whole state is just all blue one-sided so there's no opposition there's no one to say hey maybe let's go the other way right like Mm -hmm. they can just keep doubling down on everything so i think that's that's i think that's the main issue with california is there's no dialogue it's just one side and they just get to do whatever they want and even though even though some things might come from a good place if it's not working there's no one to challenge it right there's just Mm -hmm. especially you know because it's elections and they gotta look like we're doing something so if i admit that i wasted 10 billion dollars building homeless shelter that no one lives in, right? Or that it's not working, I'm not going to get reelected. So what do I do? I pour in another 10 billion to try to fix my initial problem yeah. and claim that, you know, it's a, actually a separate, like it's just,
2: yeah, oh, you,
1: I, that goes to the same thing. Short-term goals, right? You got four years, you got to do something. If not, you're out of office. So instead yeah, of rolling back double down the
0: communication, it's the problem with everything. It's the homeless problem. It's the problem with every problem that you see we are collective and maybe this is a perfect place to end it right it's like we're this collective group of individuals or consciousness or organisms whatever you want to call us right yeah we are all the same thing we i mean and we live in this pre constructed to your point is always here when we came here right it's like we're fitting into the jello mold
1: and gonna be here and we leave too it sure will you know and so it's it's like um yeah like not not to cut you off but like when people say oh we're killing the planet or oh, we're killing the earth no we're not the earth's gonna be just fine like it survived way worse things than humans there's been meteor strikes ice ages what we're killing are the conditions that support our existence that's what we're killing so the earth goes up by 10 degrees we all die it's going to be just fine right like once we're gone everything's going to be overgrown life's going to boom and in a couple centuries you won't even know we were ever here right so people get this whole notion that you know we're separate from earth like oh you're killing that thing it's like no you're killing the conditions for you and i feel like that's what needs to be communicated more with, like like it shouldn't even be about the talk shouldn't even be about like climate change. It should just be about pollution. Right. And it should be about killing the earth. It should be about killing the conditions like, Hey, you like that nice weather in California. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you're destroying. If you say yes. you're killing the earth, it's like, what, what are you even saying? Yeah. You're okay. giving
0: people on the opposite side, a really juicy rebuttal to kind of like laugh at it and be like, Oh, really?
1: Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: But to your point, who can, if you just come straight with the facts and say, Hey, here's, here's the quantification of what we're doing. And this is what it means to human civilization. And just leave it yeah. at that and stop worrying about how much the wetlands are receding, you know, every 20 years and water, th- then they can come back and show evidence that this happened 200 years ago. With-
1: exactly. Like there's been times in the earth's history, like an ice age, the whole planet is covered under ice. Yeah. Right. Like the Sahara was a rainforest at one point. Clearly there are natural switches and topography and everything. So it's like, like and maybe exactly one of those
0: natural and maybe one of those natural occurrences in combination with our current pollution is the final straw to break the camel's back. And that has more to do maybe with the natural occurrences, but regardless yeah. if it's natural or man-made, it's still a reality that we have to face. And to your point, let's just put the conversation around how it impacts us and stop putting yeah. around to try to find the right way into the conversation for the specific group that we're talking to
1: that day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that'll never happen. Cause like you said, clicks.
0: Yeah. Well, we got to placate to people's feelings and emotions. I mean, that's, that's where it comes. I mean, that's why if there's anything that I'll die on it's, I don't have a, whole, <laughs> maybe this is my wife's going to be like, of course, this is where he ends the podcast. I don't have a whole lot of time for bullshit. I'm just like, spare me the labor pains, show me the baby. I just want to know what I'm dealing with so that I can figure it out. And maybe that goes to the point of like, I don't want anybody directing me and saying, this is how you should think this is what you should do. I just want to know the facts so that I can make a decision. I'm not waiting for you to tell me, but.
1: Yeah, it's like a card game. Don't sit there shuffling the deck and telling me, well, you know, if you get this hand, this is what it means. And if this hand shows up, it's like, just deal the cards. Let me see what it is and I'll figure it out kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I don't have time but. for, for the crap. So for me, it's show it to me. Let's get rolling. But I don't know, man. I, I think, I think they're going to show the car. They're going to flip the cards over face up anyways, whether I don't think I'm going to even have the chance to ask. I think it's going to be presented to us and, Hopefully we all, yeah, I do. I think, I think there's a, I think there's a level of enlightenment that we're going to see in our lifetime. I hope so. That's not going to be the answers to everything, but I think it's going to illuminate enough. This is my optimistic thought. It's going to illuminate enough that we shift and course correct enough as humans. But the thing that scares me is if that's the correct assumption, it's going to be something pretty catastrophic that, shakes us up because there's been a lot of really bad things that have happened that haven't, uh, haven't done it. So my, my fear is that it's going to be bad. I don't know what it is about me. Something tells me like, you're not going to get out of this existence without seeing some, something like big, like that happen. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Like world war three or something. I,
0: I don't know if it's a war. I don't know if it's, it could be something that we don't even like, I don't know the like, Other ship comes down and just says, Hey, here's, here's to your point. We're going to know things that we didn't know. We didn't know. I think mm. it's the way that I'll explain that to maybe tie it back to what you said earlier.
1: Well, I'm excited. I hope it's some interesting shit. Mm-hmm. We'll provide for more things to talk about. Right. At the end of the day. I hope so. Yeah. Many many a conversation to be had. I don't think, you know, like when people say, "Oh, you know, they like sit around and they don't have anything to talk about." If you can't find something to talk about in this day and age, you you must be an incredibly boring human. Like there's so much going on that you could I mean, it's, it's I think endless. I was
0: talking about a baby painted box turtle not knowing that he might be a kangaroo. I mean, I don't I don't even know. And to your yeah. point, you can that's, how, that's
1: how I know you've been doing mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. Did you watch the fights this weekend?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch. I w- always watch all the, all the the pay per view cards. Yeah, yeah. That um, that knockout. Jesus Christ, Tony Ferguson,
2: dude.
1: I saw that and I was like, yo, that guy might be dead. That was and real. I think, and I think even like the broadcast team wasn't sure because they didn't replay that. They waited until like it was like, okay, is he is he okay? Like he's not going to the hospital right away, and when you look at him afterwards, he didn't know where he was.
2: Dude, I was I've
1: gonna... had, I've had concussions before, so I know exactly what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And you don't know, like you're not aware of what day it is, might not even remember your name, and that way like, he was just kind of standing there, and you could tell this dude had no clue where yeah.
0: he was. He I don't think he, to your point, I don't think he even knew he was a human. Yes. I think he was like, what, what is this that I'm in? There's a really interesting clip. Um, he's walking. They're, they're walking him. I should say Yeah, from the cage and Chuck Liddell was like in the front row and stands up and like stops him and grabs him to hug him and tells him something in his ear, the look on Tony's face as like, you can, it's like not the look you would expect to see on someone's face when someone's talking to them it was just like blank and emotionless. And to your point, I, I saw that and just was like, I don't think he's ever going to be the same again.
1: I think when you black out that long, cause I blacked out for a couple minutes, it takes a couple minutes for your brain to restart. Like I remember blacking out and it took like, I had a motorcycle accident and then I get woken up by paramedics and they're like, you know, You've been in a motorcycle accident. Don't move. I'm like, what's your name? Tell him my name. They're like, do you know where you are? I'm like, nope. What day is it? Don't know. Do you know how you got here? No idea. How old are you? Mm-hmm. I could not even remember. Like, I knew nothing. All I remembered was my name, and that was it. And then, like, 10 minutes later, it was like, oh, oh yeah, I remember how old I am. I know where I am. Like, it like slowly started to reboot. So, to your point. I think he was in that he was conscious, but he was in that rebooting phase and he had no clue. So Chuck Liddell's talking to him, and he's probably like, What are you saying? Who like, is this? I don't guy? even know who is this guy, where am I? What are yeah. all these bright lights? Why are there people yelling? Like, he just looked like shocked, like, what the hell is going on?
0: And then you got Michael Chandler doing backflips on oh, over I'm, and
2: over. I'm just like, what,
0: what the hell is going on with this? My wife's like, is yeah. he doing? He just did four backflips in the ring. I'm like...
1: Oh, just over and over and over again. Yeah, that was, that was a weird card. That was, like, crappy fight, really good fight. Mm-hmm. Crappy fight, really good fight. But, yeah. Olivera's a beast, though.
0: Dude, I don't see anybody stopping him
1: at I don't really all. want to see him him in Islam. By far. I think that's, that's the, the one. Without because everyone, everyone would have loved to see him versus Khabib. Because obviously, you know, jujitsu wrestling thing. And I think the closest we're going to get to that is Islam. So I don't want to see him fight anyone. Like, I just want to see him Islam. Because you could tell, like, in that fight, which is really smart of him, is when he would get hit he's a little dazed, he would drop to the ground. Yeah. Right? And because he knows he's not going to engage him on the ground, that gives him a couple seconds to kind of, you know, gather himself and get back to it. So I'd love to see him fight like an Islam who's very comfortable on the ground and likes to wrestle to mm-hmm. so whereas if you drop down, like, Oh, I'm going to thingy, He could pounce. Right. Like I always love to see like the jujitsu versus wrestling thing. I find it so, I find it so fascinating.
0: It's a interesting story too, with him and how his whole mentality changed ever since his daughter was born. And it's like, I having kids, I understand that now, but I, I don't think unless you've been in that position, like you can get it, but there's just something you don't that quite happens. get it. Yeah, it just happens. It's like, okay, no, I, I totally get that. But it's yeah, not everybody I mean, can, that, can cap into that though either, right? A lot of people have kids and it's a
1: distraction. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, that goes to show you how much like just sports like, existence in general is very, very mental, right? Like you can have all the physical tools but if you're not set up there it's just it's not going to pan out right and it could be vice versa you can not be the most talented physically right not be the most gifted but if you've got the right mentality you can make it happen right and you can see it with him like you know had all these losses quitting all these fights and then like you said he had his daughter mm-hmm. the mentality changed and all of a sudden he's just mauling people now like he's not even close he checked yeah. dude out in the first round <laughs>
0: Yeah. And then you got the flip side of it where you have a guy like Connor who wins fights against guys like Aldo that he shouldn't have too won, much money. But he just he did it via psychology. He was in Aldo's head before that fight started. Oh he, yeah. He won that fight before they even started it. And then he, he won went out in fifteen seconds or it was le- it was twelve seconds or something like that. Yeah, it was right?
1: like the second punch or something. It was like if you like hit him with a left and that was it.
0: And that was that was yeah. Connor's magic. Like he was able to get in everybody's head, and he was the biggest gamer. And now, mentality shifts. To your point, you get a little bit of money, you get complacent. You get a lot of money. You get a lot of money, and you get very complacent. He's not the same guy anymore, and he well, not never. O- not only that, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, he just he he never was the great. Like he was a he- heavy puncher, but I think he's got a lot of people convinced that he's like a better martial artist than he is. He just has
1: never, his ground game is good, but not amazing. He doesn't have a great gas tank, but he tires out quick. But the thing is, like you said, he'll beat you in the press conference before you ever get to fight. And the only person that really like, I know he lost to Nate Diaz, but that was just kind of like, you know, underestimated him, Mm -hmm. ran out of stamina, lost. The only person that actually went toe to toe to him mentally was Khabib, right? That's the only person whose skin he who didn't get under before the fight, and it showed in the fight. And you can tell, like, Connor didn't have
0: to lean on. He was like, "I got nothing because I can't use
1: my." Pry well, he tried. Bar
0: to get underneath your skin.
1: Yeah, he really tried, and he might have thought that he got under his skin. But like, once the fight started, you could see the realization of, "Oh shit, it didn't work," and this guy is crazy, right? And this guy is stable enough mentally and smart enough that he's able to channel Mm. all that ammo that I used against him back onto me, which is why when he had him on the ground, he was pounding him, telling him like, oh talk now, talk now. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh shit. Maybe I shouldn't that shit, right? Like the
0: to channel it because I I'm I don't think for a second that he didn't hear it. Oh no, he was angry. When he got up on top of that cage and jumped off into the now it's like, oh shit, you see how much Connor does get under people's skin that just comes out as it flows from him. You know, it, it built up with Khabib. He kept it in check, but then that you know,
1: shit... He knew, he knew, he knew how to channel it properly. Most people yeah. abandon, you know, be it whatever kind of sports, they let it get under the skin, abandon the game plan, you know, mm-hmm. waste all their energy, just not fight or perform in a smart way. Khabib was able to, like, I'm just going to take this and we're going to focus on you. And he did it perfectly because after he beat him, he was ready to go into the crowd and start fighting other people. Like he was, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the best division in the UFC. There's so many badass dudes. Like really and truly on any night, any one of them could be oh, champion, right? Like for sure. Gagey, like Chandler, all of them.
0: They're all tough. And Gagey, uh, f- feel for the kid, man. It's like so tough. Does everything you want just puts on exciting fights, but it's he's ran into two buzzsaws, and
1: I know, right? It's like that's that's one of those things of like you just you just happen to exist at just the wrong time, right? Like any other time, without those guys, he would have been champion easily, right? But it's like, god damn it, like Khabib, and now this dude, it's like can't yep. catch a break, right? And yeah, I don't, yeah, Islam is the only person I see who could like really. Challenge him because he's just going to choke everyone else out. And it, it must suck, dude. If you're like trying to get in the UFC now, that's the weight class you fight in. You must be like, you know Am I ever going to be champion? I just got to wait it out and hope these dudes like start to retire.
0: That's it. Also seems to be the weight class that has the most prospects in regional circuits and in the amateur circuits. Oh, really? Too. Yeah. Like the gym I train at, that's a, a pretty stacked weight class. And these are dudes that are like, Regional, right? So they're they're the the guys that are fighting to have that opportunity to get on a Bellator card, and hopefully catch someone's attention. And you know, it's like
1: Cage Warriors or something. Yeah.
0: Let alone the yeah. you know fifty guys that are on the UFC roster that are duking it out. I think
1: it. I think that's just the um, that's just a result of numbers, right? Because you know, if you look at the average male, that's they're generally probably going to fall within that weight class. So. That's where you have the most people, so that's where you're going to get the most prospects, right? That's why heavyweight, it's like, you know, you it's could be a Francis like and Gamu. John is going to
0: clear that. He's going to just destroy that division. You think so? Division. He's – there's – I don't know, dude. There's nobody – I here's my thing. Francis can – if Francis can hit him, he could certainly knock him out.
1: I mean, I don't think there's a human alive that would not go to sleep if you got hit cleanly enough by Francis.
0: I just think – John Jones is—he's the greatest fighter that I've ever seen from a fight IQ, from a just get in, get in there and get a figure out how to win a fight. Yeah. But I also think the the only detriment to him moving up in weight class, like if you look at people, it's like, okay, what doesn't translate well? Okay, you're gonna have bigger guys that hit harder, that are stronger than you but he's going to have the advantage from a speed and quickness. So it's like, okay, that's acknowledged, but you're going to be dealing with guys that are bigger. Can you handle that? And then you think about, A, who his training partners were for, for a long time and some of the guys that he trained with down in Albuquerque, but then just, like, go home. You got Arthur and Chandler as your brothers. That dude has been big fighting dudes. two very big dudes his whole life. They're both,
1: they're both bigger than him, too. They're way bigger than him. Chandler is like, what, like? Six five two eighty. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just think John. I mean, and John's been in some wars. He's got champion level experience. He's fought the best of the best. Yeah,
1: he went the through what, what they used to call a murder row.
0: Yeah, I think Stipe is a bigger test for John Jones than I think Francis. And I think Francis, Francis is dangerous in a traditional heavyweight bout where he's standing there with Derek Lewis and they're swinging, and the winner of the fight is going to win by knockout. Or yeah. ground and pound. John's gonna go out there and he's gonna win the way GSP won it, his division, and I think GSP struggles in today's welterweight because the skill level's gotten so much better. But at the time, he was so well-rounded. It's like, okay, great, Josh Koscheck, you're gonna do. I'm just gonna beat you where I can beat you, or I'm gonna beat Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz where I can beat Nick Diaz, and yeah, that he just had way more options when. So other people have one and that gets throttled and then they have nothing to fall back on. I think John Jones is that way in the heavyweight division. There's not enough guys who have deep enough skill sets where it's like, okay, you just have to knock me out. Great. I, like,
1: you think his, um, my only thing would be how much of that speed is he going to sacrifice and gas tank going? Cause you know, he was, if he's coming in at 260, 265, like, Mm -hmm. that's a lot more weight to carry, right? So you're definitely going to sacrifice speed. And then that's a lot more muscle that you got to like, that's eating up oxygen. So you might not have Mm -hmm. the same gas tank. And some of those tools might not be as, I mean, (laughs) you saw Francis and Gowley did the serial guy. It's funny. I was watching that fight with my wife and I was like, you know what would be insane if this dude like learned a little bit of grappling he could murder any human on the planet because there's no defense to him taking you down. Like it doesn't matter what you do; he just pick you up, right? And literally, like ten seconds later, is where he just scoops up 265. <laughs> and he picked him up like he was a little kid and just like slammed him. I was and shocked like, that that's where that fight went. I yeah, it's, no one saw it coming, right? Because no one knew about the injuries. But that's the thing: is like, if first off, you can't take him down because he's just insanely strong. And if you're smaller than him and he needs to take you down, there really isn't a defense. Like all your traditional defenses go out the air when the dude can lift you up from any angle at any time. Right. Unless you, you know, Jiu black belt and then you could put him in a guillotine or something. But even Sirogan, I think him, him Sirogan, I think would be an interesting fight because that's another athletic dude who mm-hmm. shouldn't move like, a heavy, like he doesn't move like he moves like he's like a welterweight. Yeah. But he's a big dude, so yeah. I'd just be interested to see like I would how much see speed Cyril
0: Gong giving John Jones a harder time than Francis. And I think Francis is. Yeah. I think Francis beats Cyril five times moving
1: forward. Yeah, I could see. I could see that. Styles I think the only. Sense, I think. The only thing with Francis is definitely from a fight IQ, the skill perspective. I think Cyril Gong would give him a harder fight. The problem with Francis, though, is that you probably have to be very, well, not probably, you have to be very careful, right? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter how technical you are, how good you are. He knocked fucking Stipe out with a jab. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's i mean it's that's the un you can't match that that's the the that cool thing i think it's like the great equalizer or it used to be the great equalizer now it's the great advantage because he has rounded himself out in all the other areas the one thing that i guess that i go back to that i think about because everything you're saying is legitimate and i i don't i i know you're a big nganu fan and i am as well um I just have always been such a John Jones fan, even as and I, I mean I double, he's one of the goats. Even as he's fucked up, I'm like I kind of like I like this is I don't like that he's screwing up his life and hurting other people, but it's like when Mike Tyson was in all kinds of trouble. It's like you you kind of want out of the craziest, baddest man on the planet as he's like kind of wild. I wish that he didn't t-bone pregnant people when he was high, but that you know he just
1: needs to not go. They just need to keep him out of Vegas. That's all.
0: Yeah. But I I guess this question is, how do you view Daniel Cormier in the grand scheme of the heavyweight division? Was he overrated as a heavyweight and happened to fight at a time where he didn't have a whole lot of challenge and he kind of got lucky with who he got matched up against? Or do you view DC as the double champ and a true heavyweight champion? Because if so, John Jones beat the piss out of him Multiple nice. times, and that was the heavyweight champ of the world. And, yes, the different weight classes, but we're talking relative to relative, and John would be getting bigger just like DC had to get bigger and carry the extra weight. And certainly different punchers, but, I mean, to me – I mean,
1: I think even DC will tell you – Stepe would have beat him? That – actually, he did, actually, because there was a clip before the Ngane game fight. I don't know if you ever saw it where he's like standing with Francis and he like grabs his arm and puts it <laughs> up against his face. And he's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, I'm so happy I didn't exist in this era of like, <laughs> I think even he will tell you that like probably wouldn't have made it in this era of heavyweights. Like I don't see him like all that wrestling. I don't see how that would work against like Cyril Gaon. It worked against Derek Lewis, but I mean,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> Derek Lewis still doesn't even, that dude just kind of, you know, jogs here and there and shows up and you know, just clang and bang. And, so, I mean, he's, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame now. He did what he did, double champ. You can't ignore that, but.
0: I think so DC why is a little bit of an easier road than some people want to give. I, him I him
1: would say that. Yeah.
0: And that's not to take anything away from him, but he, I think he got lucky in some, not lucky in winning it, but just maybe who he had to fight to get there. Um, yeah. But I do think that he's a solid representation of what the ufc has to offer and it'll be very interesting when this fight happens if it happens it is. if it, it is happens.
1: if i had to put money on it i probably would put money on john jones but all i'm saying is that i would not be surprised if i lost money on that I but if know. i had to put money on it I put on John Jones. The other, the other interesting question though, is the, was it middleweight? What's Kamaru fight? That's middleweight, right? Uh, Welterweight. Welterweight. Sorry. Him and Kamzab. Oof. Who you, who you got your
0: money on there? Oh, dude, I would have said Khamzab before, but that, that fight with Burns made him a little bit more human, but it's also, you know, he was Gilbert Burns is no joke. But I, that dude
1: still competes in jujitsu yeah, like and, actively
0: and does well. Yeah. And wins like, yeah, world champion level. Yeah. He's a badass.
1: I, yeah. I mean, he showed that he was human. But on the flip side, that was like exactly what Hamzat needed. Like exactly. Right. Is to kind of get Brock back, Brock back down to earth, full fight. Right. You know, he'd only been punched, what, like three times in the last two fights? to get really clocked this time. And dude has, like, Nate Diaz-level chin because Gilbert landed some bombs on him. And I was like, how are you still conscious? Like, it's only, like, Nate Diaz it takes of Tony Ferguson to take that kind of punishment. And you're like, oh, okay, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it okay. was
0: it was impressive. Um, I think that He's going to end up
1: fighting Kamaru. He is. Because I don't think then, Leon Edwards beats Kamaru. No. In the next fight.
0: The problem, the I guess... I think Kamaru Usman's more, honestly, I think Usman's more rounded right now. And I, oh, th- yeah. I think if they fought, I would bet money on Usman. But I think the fear is that just like all champions, right? When you're at the top, how many more things are thrown at Usman on a daily basis that weren't thrown at him when he wasn't the champion? And how much yeah. is that? Exponentially grown year after year that you're the champion, right? Now it's like you're starting to be considered one of the greatest ever. That brings a whole new set of accolades and time and commitment. And, you know, are you training as hard? Do you want it as bad? Yeah. And and maybe it's just slightly less, you know? Maybe you still want it more than any normal human being, but you want it slightly less than when you got to champ. Is that gonna be the scenario that you want to be in with a guy like Comzat coming and And maybe the
1: hungry. Yeah, maybe the Kamaru
0: Usman at at the top level is better than Kamzat, but maybe Kamaru Usman isn't able to be at that top level because when you're at the top for that long,
1: it gets hard to hang on. Yeah, I mean, the one thing is that he's gotten better every fight, Kamaru, which is Mm kind of scary. Like, if you watch, like, the first Kobe fight to the last one, like, dude, like, steadily improves. So, I mean, if he keeps that going, I would I would put my money on him. But, I mean, like you said, he's the champ. Dana White's talking about, you know, he might be one of the goats. You know, there's all this money. He's got his bling on, Range Rover driving, living the life. And you got Hamza, who's like, you know, still trying to buy his mom a house and, mm-hmm. you know, tell him I'm going to be champion. And he wants to bring yeah, it home. Kind of he and he wants to set up like, He's hungry, right? It's kind of like it's almost like the McGregor thing, but just to varying degrees, where you you make a hundred million dollars fighting Floyd Mayweather. It's really hard to be motivated when you wake up, you know, and fucking Saint Tropez on the yacht, right? Like, do you really want to get up and go roll? No, I think I'm gonna just chill on here, right? You know, take the jet skis up. And then you put that guy up against, you know, someone who's young and hungry, you know, who's sleeping on a little twin bed. He wants it more than you. he wants what you have, right? And you're comfortable. He's not comfortable. He's got bills to pay. He's got family. He's got you know, kids to feed. He's got a legacy that he wants. He's going to come for it, right? And you're going to give up before he gives up because at the end of the day, you could fly back to your yacht. He doesn't want to go back to that twin bed. So that that, like you said, I think would be the interesting thing is like, can he, I mean, there's a lot of competitors that somehow trick themselves He seems to be
0: the kind of guy, if anybody can do it, he seems to be mentally
1: tough to a level beyond everybody. A lot of guys, a lot of those, like, and there's only a handful of them, right? Like, you're talking, like, you know, Jordan, Brady, Kobe, you know, like, you're talking the creme de la creme of athletes that can achieve way more than everyone else has, but somehow in their head, they still approach it like, you know, like Tom Brady coming out of retirement, like, you know, oh, we still got more work to do, like, the fuck else do you want to you got seven rings dude like everyone calls you the goat like what what do you have left you have all the money in the world like you know same thing with like jordan and stuff six rings the flu game right like Mm -hmm. kobe like how are you still motivated you have all the money in the world everyone is like you're the greatest we accept it no one's ever gonna do what you do somehow he still comes into it with like an underdog mentality and I think what they do is they always just find, they almost feed on any sort of negativity they can find, right? And that might be what like Kamaru, that might be what helps in an Hamzat fight, is that a lot of people will actually favor him, Hamzat that is, over Kamaru. and that might be what he can feed on and be like, you know, you guys think I'm done, blah, 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 I'm the underdog, mm-hmm. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come for it, right? Because I remember, was it I think it was Jordan or Kobe. I remember reading the story that like before a game, if he wasn't feeling motivated, he would create stories in his head about opposing players. So he'd see a guy, and he'd be getting mad at him. And after the game, you know, he'd be like, "Oh, yo, you talking that shit?" Blah blah blah. You know, he'd have a crazy game, and afterwards, it'd be like, "Yo, what did he do to you?" And he's like, "Nothing. After I just just created the story to fire myself up, right?" And the same thing with Tom Brady. Anyone says anything about him, you know, the week leading up to the game, cuts it out sticks it up on the locker, feeds off of that, you know, forgets that he's got seven rings There's and a whatever. Petty to it, right? Very petty, right? Like, very like, oh, you're the young guy, you think you're better than me, I'm going to show you who's top dog. Again, <laughs> you're talking about you could literally on um, two hands count the number of athletes in all sports. Could have had that sort of mentality, right? He could be one of them. And it'd be a very interesting fight if he is, because Neither of them are quitters. I'm
0: excited to watch it.
1: Both of them have a nasty chin, too, so I don't know who's knocking who out. I think Hamza's a better wrestler, though.
0: I think so, and I, th- I think, especially when you talk about Camaro's knee problems, I don't think he wants to spend the time on the ground if he doesn't have to. And yeah. with Trevor, Wh- I mean, well, I would have said Trevor Whitman was the benefit to have in your corner, but if he coached, that he coached rose man oh man like hey well that wasn't
1: his fault though in the rose fight that was what's the other guy's name her, her husband.
0: husband uh pat barry
1: yeah because he was the one that was like you know they were booing and he's like listen you those to that means you're doing yeah, the wrong thing you're it's supposed like, to you know, be that's, that's, that's
0: like that's the, the worst, worst message you could ever reinforce with her bro i'm like
1: what are you saying yeah, and you could hear like Trevor Whitman afterwards would be like, you know, I need a I need a little bit more from you. You know, you're better than her. Go show us what you can do. He was kind of like saying, I need you to go out and like, step in. Like, yeah. But then he'd be like, Oh, hey, the booze. You're doing what you got to do. It's like, which is what nothing. Like that's yeah, not that's gotta be
0: tough. That think of that dynamic. Oh. You've got a, a champion fighter, and her husband is in the corner with you, and he's diverging a little bit and filling her head with something that you might not think is true.
1: You can't say anything because his word is way stronger than yours, right? Uh-huh. That's a tough one home to together at night. Like, you could kind of see it on his face, too. He's just saying it like, I know you're not going to listen. I'm going to try, but
2: yeah, you know, yeah maybe I'm- now
1: should listen because now she'll be like, wait a minute. She yeah. said after the fight that then I saw in the press comments, she she's like, yeah, no, they're booing. I don't think they were booing me, they were booing her. I was like, you're the champion. Why would they be booing her? Yeah, like you have the belt you're there to put on the show, right? Like,
0: yeah, that was really awkward. And then I felt bad for her. <laughs> Rogan's interviewing her after the fight. And he's like, yeah. So we were all kind of wondering, like nothing was happening. And they asked her like three times and she's like, yeah, you don't want to be a part of something like this, but I got the win and I'm excited <laughs> and yeah. like dive back in and ask her another question about it.
1: Well, she's getting married in a week. So yeah, she doesn't give a shit. That's the one part I like about having Rogan there, right. Is He's entrenched in the UFC, so there's no one's going to get mad at him. He's not going to be worried that, oh, my job is on the line if I keep asking this one question. Or, mm-hmm. right, like, you, oh, think, you
0: almost it's like you can get a sense that he's almost asking because he wants to know.
1: Yeah, I know he really does want to know because at the end of the day, he's also a really big fan, right? So, mm-hmm. probably more than most people. So, he's probably wondering exactly what we're wondering why the
2: fuck are you doing that? Like, yeah, what, what is I really
1: on? thought it was going to liven up by like. I thought the fourth round, third to fourth round, definitely fifth championship round, I thought it was going to be like, listen, we don't know which way this fight's going. You guys got to go out there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But I did not think it was going to be 25 minutes of a fucking snooze fest. And then the ref didn't even do anything, right? It's like
0: No nonsense, dude, Keith Peterson,
1: huh? Apparently he fell asleep in that too because he didn't do anything. It's was like, that's you miss like a Herb Dean or something, right? Like. Guys, it's a championship fight, you know. It's people in the arena. People paid $75 to watch this pay-per-view. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying throw a caution to the wind, but protect yourself at all times and throw some punches. <laughs> like, exactly. Dude, like, <laughs> I was actually saying the other day when I was getting the tattoo. The guy who was tatting his friends with like all the refs. What's the what's the guy with the long beard?
0: Uh, Mike Beltran.
1: Yeah, so he's like really good buddies with him. And they were talking about like the refs and like the catchphrases and i was like you know what be actually ingenious is herb dean with his um protect yourself at all times i don't know why he hasn't like someone from one of these condom companies like trojan or something should totally just have him in an ad right and he just say that as a catchphrase to like a guy like protect yourself at all times trojan boom like yeah. i think that would be like monumental
2: that would be I huge
1: i don't know why anyone's not like that's perfect and the demographic of guys right that are in the market for condoms are the kind of guys that watch the ufc like it's i don't know it makes perfect sense to me
0: ufc if you're listening or trojan better yet or hey durex or, yeah if durex if yeah whatever want to compete.
1: they're not even employed by the ufc though are they they work for like the state commissions i believe um
0: yeah, I don't know how that works. It's funny you say that. I was wondering this weekend because you see all the same people and they obviously go and get registered and licensed in whatever state that athletic commission, but the UFC must have some sort of pull to always have Herb Dean ref in the fight, right? Like it's like they yeah. always have the same group of guys. What if I wanted to become a certified referee in the state of Pennsylvania and there was an event in Philly? Like, would I have a shot or is it going to be who? they yeah. want and then they're going to make sure that Herb Dean, Mike Beltran and everybody else has a Pennsylvania license and that that's who's going to be on there cuz i mean to your yeah. point you just said it right the guy with the the mustache right? it's like yeah. everybody knows who you're talking about whether they know his name or not
1: yeah i think i think they work for they're like the um they're kind of like the judges right yeah and the guys at the weigh-in and everything they work for the state athletic commission and not the UFC, but like like you said, the UFC must have some kind of say in it because they, in every single state, they ref all same the fights, guy. right?
0: I mean, you see a the random nine... dude every once in a while that like yeah. fills the gap probably because they needed an extra person, but it's always the yeah, same. Yeah, but like nine product.
1: times out of ten, it's Herb Dean in the main event, which is great. I think he's the best. Him and the British dude, I always forget his name. Mark Goddard. The guy who's always got the, yeah, him. I really like him. There's no feet. Yeah, it's weird.
0: You notice that though? What's the?
1: I've oh, been carrying <laughs> the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that is true, actually. You think even for like for some of like the the women's fights, they might have like a?
0: No female. I've never seen a female referee.
1: They must there must be female refs out there because there's female fighters. So I can't see how you wouldn't have
0: i just like the turtle. I mean, if you don't see it, do you even is it even real? I've never seen a female ref. I don't think that's a real thing. Because I don't. They have them in. The,
1: I mean, they have them in the NFL. There's a female yeah. ref in the NFL, NBA. Yeah. Yeah, that's, Yeah, it's not a job that like requires.
0: You just have to have knowledge, really. You just gotta have knowledge
1: and just communicate, right? Like, yeah.
0: You think there's be a handful of people that would do that?
1: I'm gonna I try to. Get nev-
0: I've I've talked with Mike Beltran kind of one-off a few times he mm. was actually filming that show mayans on hbo or oh, really? fx or i think it was fx maybe he was it was like a spinoff of uh sons of anarchy
1: yeah he was an la he or is an la sheriff or something like that yeah
0: yeah he's active law enforcement so yeah i have no idea yeah i'm sure definitely not undercover right
1: no, nah, no, you're not, you're not, you're not getting away with, uh, <laughs> with that. It's, oh, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's no, not flying. Well, what
0: else you got going on, brother? You're going to take this sabbatical. You, uh, I mean, any big projects or mentalities, kind of vibes that you're getting yourself into lately or?
1: I've been, I've been reading, oh, should I say reading a lot. Just say researching, just reading sounds like I've been reading books, and I don't really read a lot of books. But well, I've been in a very philosophical state of mind lately, if that makes any sense. Just I think with the way that everything is happening, and like you were saying, like you know, it's a big transition. We're gonna talk about the great reset and ABCD. I'm trying to do what you were saying at the very beginning, where you like, you know, there's certain guys like Elon Musk who can like pull out and they seem to be smarter because. They just see the bigger picture and they can put the puzzle pieces together.
0: and of recognize the pattern.
1: Exactly. So that's part of what I'm trying to do now. And it's one reason why I'm gonna like get off Instagram for a bit. Is so that I can zoom out and see what I can like piece together. That's all I do when I'm in the sauna every day. Like I work out, I go in the sauna for like 45 minutes. And I'll just like have some like random. Philosophical thing, just like playing, and he'll say one thing, and then my mind will just go off on tangent. Like forty minutes later, he's been talking, but haven't heard any of it, and trying to solve all the mysteries of the universe in my head. It's like the perfect thing. I almost passed out the other day in the sauna.
0: No shit, from the heat. I
1: hadn't. So, yeah, from the heat. So I'd been, I'd been away for a while, and then I got a new tat, and you can't go in the sauna like when it's still fresh and peeling. So I hadn't been in the sauna for a while and then I work out in the sun outside, hot, I'm sweating. And I love to go in after I work out. Cause it's like, you know, you know how there's really kind of built up a sweat. There's a pre layer. So you get in there and it's just boom, boom.
0: You're hitting that, that peak right away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Right. And I like to go in before it's like fully hot so that progressively as I'm in there, it just keeps getting hotter and hotter. And I get in there. And again, I put this like little, it was like an Alan Watts talk or something. I put it, I put it on. And 20 minutes into it, I'm like, I haven't had any, I haven't really thought about anything, nor have I heard anything that this guy is saying, right? And I'm in there like this, like almost like slumped over. And then I start to get dizzy. And I look up, and there's about like six minutes to go. I was like, I'm not getting out. not getting out I'm doing the fucking six minutes doing the six minutes dude I made it down to like zero and I'm like my breathing became conscious because it's like all right you gotta take breaths and then every every time I breathe in the air is hot and it's like Mm -hmm. and this is the same amount of time I always do But for some reason I was like yay close to passing out and then I get out Walking, walk in my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm dead for the rest of the day. Like, don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask like, I'm not.
0: Are you pretty regular? Shower- like outside of taking the break from the tattoo, are you in there? Four yeah, I, I
1: try at least four to five times a week. Okay. Yeah. Right.
0: So I've noticed the acclimation. It fluctuates real quick. To your point, like if I'm, I'm usually five or six days a week, 20 yeah. to 30 minutes, 185, 190 degrees. If I take a week off, I'll hit 15 minutes, and I'm like cooking inside. I'm like, how? I'm like, they changed. Something's changed with this heater, man. Like this thing is hot. This thermostat is broken. Like, what yeah. is wrong with this? But then, you know, do that for a week, and I'm right back to where I was
2: beforehand. Yeah. But I guess
1: it's almost good to take the breaks, right? So it's, you don't build up to whatever memory of it, and yeah, your body. Because the whole benefit is of it is you get you're shocking your body, right? So, yeah. yeah. I guess it, I guess it's good that that happens. Yeah, but yeah. I was dead the rest of the day, and then I tried to take a cold shower to yeah, like wake you, me up.
0: Everything closes in, you get your heart pumping,
1: and then you dunk in cold water, and you're probably like, "Shit, yeah, can't breathe." It's, I know, right? Like I still haven't, you you know about like Wim Hof and stuff, right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. That's the one thing that I haven't, I am yet, to break through is like cold showers and cold plunges. I can't. I like I tried the cold plunge one time and I thought I was gonna die. Like I really thought. I was like, you motherfuckers, you're gonna die in this tub, right? Man? Like, really? We were at some like resort place and I go to the gym there and they have like the whole gym, spa, whatever. And this is like some European guy they have there. He's like the trainer, you know, one of those, like, Instagram-looking dudes, 6'3, y'all cut, and he's got this accent. He's like, yeah, you have to go into the steam room, and then from the steam room, you go to the thingy for 10 minutes, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I love it. Go in the steam room, right? 15 minutes. It's hot as shit. (laughs) And then I go to the cold plunge, and I'm thinking this is just water, right? Like, I don't know that this motherfucker has turned this shit down. So it's not just, like, cold room temperature, whatever. It's, like, Freezing, like thirty six degrees. Exactly, and I'm like, instead of walking into it slowly, I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna jump in it, just dunk, dude. I jump in it, my tet, my chest tightened up so hard, I was like, heart attack, that's it, uh-huh. like, that's it, I'm done. And I tried to do the whole like just power through it. My body's like, you better get the fuck out of this thing now, like. And I get out, he's like, oh good. I was like. Fuck you, dude! I was like I'm not. Almost <laughs> just killed my ass. Yeah, ever since then I haven't. Like I tried cold showers after then, but I haven't done the. My wife will do it, but I, I can't.
0: That might be the way to snap some of these schizophrenic motherfuckers out of their episode. Just be like, I do right? Just throw, throw him the, throw the sauna on the cold plunge for twenty plunge. minutes, and then go throw his ass in the cold plunge and see if it shocks himself out of that. I mean, the
1: benefits are insane. Like it's just a long list of. Like it's an endless list of just benefits, and you know, it's kind of yeah, it's just it's weird that there's all these things that are so easy and so beneficial, and no one does them. Right? Everyone looks for a pill. Yeah, people are really lazy. Everyone looks for a pill, and you know, give me this, and what can I do? But it's like all these things that people have been doing literally for thousands of years that help. And no one will do them. right. People will tell you, "Oh, I'm stressed, I have anxiety, my mind. It's like, cool. There's this thing people have been doing in Asia for a couple thousand years called meditation. Apparently it works. No, it's not for me. Okay, I'm We'll stay anxious. These things right here. Yeah. I I mean,
0: it comes back to it, man. It's like... Cheap dopamine. These have both created so much benefit and so much despair Dude, it's, civilization.
1: It's a yin and yang, right? Like there's no night without day, right? Like there's no pain without pleasure. Yep. Everything has two sides to it, right? So if there's something that's gonna be supremely beneficial in another way, it's gonna be simply, supremely harmful and vice versa too, right? Like there's a lot of shit that you go through that's horrible, but at the end of the day, you know, Nietzsche: what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of thing. Unless you got long COVID, apparently, long COVID is gnarly, but (laughs)
0: yes, (laughs) I've heard that thrown around from a couple of people, and I'm like, I don't know whether I should just give you a hug and tell you I feel bad for you or tell you to shut up.
1: Like, I have no clue. I
0: have a couple people, man, they're like, my life is completely different now. Like,
1: really, yeah, Yeah, I know a couple people who haven't gotten like the smell or taste back.
0: Yep, smell, taste, headaches, just fatigue, Mm. you know. I mean, I'll a lot of it's like anecdotal. It's like, do you think that because you, you're feeling like it's not getting better? I've no,
1: was it funny, really? it's
0: like, yeah, man. He's like, I'm cognitively. I feel different. I feel foggy. I just feel distracted all the time. I'm very forgetful. I just, you know, the, the way that I would feel if I was like sick and just kind of didn't have the ability to focus, just like, you kind of feel like there's like a buzzing in your head. He's like, it just hasn't gone away.
1: That's so weird. Tell them to take some lines, man, and jump in the sauna.
0: Right? Yeah, dude. It's like, like... yeah, I wouldn't just be like looking at traditional. If that was happening to me, I'd be looking at every alternative therapy that I could possibly Well,
1: traditional stuff, for the most part, just treats symptoms, right? So, Mm -hmm. okay, you got a headache, take an Advil. That'll get rid of the headache. But Advil's not getting rid of what's causing the headache. Mm -hmm. Just getting rid of the sense of pain. So if you want to get rid of it, you got to figure out actually what's triggering it, right? not just treat symptoms treat the source
0: and good luck with yeah. that
1: anymore and just pump the the lion's man. apparently it's like shrooms without shrooms
0: that's what they say i, wanna... I, I gotta get better with that i don't consume enough the only only shrooms i consume are the ones that are giving me these interesting thoughts that i share with you and others on these podcasts they're and the ones they're
1: the ones of having you having you think about frogs and shit and...
0: my wife would love for me she's a big mushroom fan and i know i actually um you, I think you you might know who Eben Britton is, right? I've had yeah on.
1: on the I miss him on the Tyson podcast, dude. Yeah, that's right. He's we amazing on there. That. Yeah.
0: yeah, he um Eben's coming back on, so I'll I'll end it with this um because I hear the I've got that that nine month old I hear him screaming now, uh, which is great. Priorities. Yeah, he was supposed to be asleep three hours ago. He doesn't
1: follow. He hasn't learned to follow <laughs> yeah. rules yet. He's still yeah. a free human.
0: Exactly. He doesn't. He's like, what are you talking about? Sleep? Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm just freaking trying to I'm have just doing.
1: I'm just doing me.
0: Um, I kind of, I, a lot of things that were happening, life, work, jujitsu, some things that were taking my focus. And honestly, I was approaching two years this past. So May 1st of this year. So what are we the today? The eighth, ninth, something like that. about a week ago was the two-year anniversary of when I released the first episode on the podcast and I think episode 93 so kind of split which made me feel good I was like all right I kept the consistency over two years like it didn't dwindle off but then like the last three weeks had a couple of people we had to change schedules life got in their way but I've there's always like five or six things that are always flying around and yeah. I let it kind of lapse. But I forget the whole purpose of what I was even sure. Oh, um, You're
1: talking I, about
0: Evan, Yeah. Yes. So I got connected through some things with him um, specific to a group of people that are specialists in different areas of study, meditation, breathing, mathematics, theology, you name it, all these really interesting topics. And they're all people who are published, peer-reviewed, um, you know, past experience in speaking. So they're they're folks that can come on a podcast and have like a, a back and forth conversation, which yeah. is not as common as you would think. I've had some people on, I'm sure folks have listened. There's a couple where you're like, oh, shit. I thought because you've done X, Y, and Z that you'd be able to come on here and tell me about it. But it doesn't, doesn't always work that way. I hit... I, I hit safely more than I don't, but you know I've focused a lot on uh, other areas, but I'm really trying to like reju- rejuvenate that center, I guess, to kind of get back to what you're talking about. So
1: back to the Evan, core, of-
0: yeah. Evan will be on at the end of May. It's kind of why I pressed hard. I wanted to have you on because your mentality is like the best way to kick this whole new. I'll call it Chapter Three, and we're starting Year Three doubling down so nope. nope. i'm gonna be looking looking more for the the true potential answers because I to your, to your point i don't think we'll know but i'm done caring about the things that everybody else is talking about and i'm kind of back to i want to get back to why i even did this thing in the first place which was not to talk about the kardashians although it's fun sometimes but yeah. to really ask the questions that i'm curious about back to the name of the pot like the whole thing it's like, I want to talk to people because I'm curious about so many things. Some of the things are not things that other people probably give two shits about.
1: Most people don't,
0: but they tend to be conversations
1: not to drag it on, but like I was saying, like you never know what you don't know. Mm. And you never actually know what the destination is of where you're trying to go with something or the answer you're trying to find. And for a majority of people that, okay, I'll never know the answer, so there's no point. What they don't realize is that when you go looking for it, you're gonna find a whole bunch of shit that had nothing to do with your original thing. And the journey is gonna be actually be the interesting part, right? Like the end, when people talk about their accomplishments, someone wins a Grammy or title or whatever it may be, Sure, that's great, that's the crowning achievement, but when they talk about it, they're gonna talk about the journey to get there, right? And most people just wanna to get to the top. They don't realize that the fun part is a process to the top. It's like, if you were trying to, you know, discover, I don't know, the world or something, or you're trying, you know, I heard someone use an analogy once. He's like, if you run into a flat earther, right? And You want to prove to him that the earth's not flat, just start walking with him and look for the end. He's like, you'll never find it. You'll come back to the same point. You'll never find it. But guess what? You've seen a whole bunch of shit and you have completely new realizations, right? So to your point, you don't know the things you don't know at all. You'll never know them. But there's a whole bunch of shit that you're going to find out looking for them. And that's the beauty and everything. It's like the Zen masters. You'll never achieve Zen trying to achieve Zen. Fuck, how the hell do you go about it then? You just go about it. So,
0: I love that about the flat Earth. I mean, that's mm. you couldn't have said it any better. That's the epitome of what I've what I've been trying to do. And if you were to ask me, what has been the best part? about the last two years of the conversations and I've met a lot of great people, Mm. but it's the, to your point, it's the 10 new journeys that I've started or bookmarked for the future that are only in my purview because I went on the original journey that didn't even encompass them to begin with. Right. So.
1: Yeah. And there's certain things that people will tell you that will send you on a completely different tangent. Like you probably don't remember, but in the last podcast, I can't remember what we were talking about and you're like well you know you need a little bit of friction because if you're a car driving on the road you need some friction between the rubber and the road and i can't tell you how far or how deep down the rabbit hole that thought sent me mm. like afterwards i'd literally hours of thought and then it all came back to me and i was like wait a minute how the hell did i end up on this and i traced it back i was like shit it came from you saying that and then my brain just picked up on it and now fast forward a year the amount of like stuff i've consumed and read and thought and sat and
0: manifested from that starting point but now it's gone just
1: into then I mean, now it's gone like fucking just like a play like it's gone like omicron it's fucking everywhere right like
0: i think if everybody did that right like think of think if there was more of these conversations where the people having them manifested these ideas because of conversations right it's like such a small shift in the way that we do things has such a monumental impact
1: right well, that's why the that's why the smartest people surround themselves with other smart people and that's why they look that's why like an elon musk whatever looks so smart because i bet you the people that he speaks the most with are really smart right like he's not just having dumb conversations every day so at the end of the day it's compound interest gonna have someone's gonna send you on a tangent down someone the other person's gonna send you there and this will connect to this and do a little bit of shrooms and then that'll connect some stuff and you're off to the races that's
0: why i have you on this podcast
1: <laughs> i appreciate it man i appreciate it
0: it's always a fucking pleasure
1: it's always a pleasure man always a pleasure now you probably said something here now that six months down the line and we're like oh shit he sent me down that rabbit hole likewise likewise there's always something yeah, man. I'll let you get to the uh to the young one. Appreciate it. Get your daddy duties. Yeah. It's uh
0: it's fun. I um I'll be in touch for sure. Don't uh don't be a stranger and enjoy your time away from the craziness called social media. Hopefully you gain some much needed perspective from that time away and come back hope so better too. than ever.
1: I hope so too. I'm not like I don't go silent. So I'll, I still talk to people and everything. It's just I'm not on. Just
0: not on there kind of interacting. And, not on there. So
1: it's not like, you know, I'm a recluse sitting in my room all day just reading. It's just I'm not on Instagram. <laughs> I'll text with people all day. So hit me up whenever, man. For sure. No, I will. If you find any interesting stuff. And I want to hear more about them. all the people I've been connected with you with. Connected you with. That sounds really interesting.
0: Yeah, I'll send you a list. Because uh, I'm actively reaching out. And it, and honestly, and I'll, th- I'll throw this because I love the way you think. Um, certainly if there's people that you think about that would be good guests, or even if it's a shot in the dark, I'm not against reaching out and trying anything, but anybody that you think has an interesting perspective,
1: um, I'll let you I know, there's, there's definitely some people that will come to mind,
0: you know, some of the more obscure, but powerful conversations. Um, that was always the
1: best.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No expectation. You just go into it excited to learn something. And I'm, uh, I'm kind of hoping that that's what the tail end of 2022 brings. So,
1: Awesome, man. Well, I'm excited for you, dude. Thank you. I'm excited for you. Appreciate it. All right, man. Much love. Appreciate it. It's been it. a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Always. We'll do it again sometime soon. Be safe. All right, man. Take it easy.